0: You're listening to episode 201 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. And that's great. And we're always excited to do it. And we're always happy to be here and doing this show for you guys uh, for the 201st time ever. Um, But unfortunately, today is a day where it's hard Uh, because for us, it is Saturday morning, which means that last night, August 28th, we all learned that, shockingly, uh, Chadwick Boseman has died at 43 years old. I woke up in the middle of the night and I made the cardinal mistake of picking up my phone to quickly just, you know, take a quick look before I went back to sleep. And I had a text from a friend who will be forever more known as the devil, who sent me a text uh, to, to basically just share the news that Chadwick had died. And um, that was awful. That was an awful awful moment in my life because what he accomplished, what he did with Black Panther uh, changed me. And I'll talk about that a little more later because I think everyone, especially everyone who is black, everyone who is a minority, who sat in that theater and watched the movie, has a similar story, but I do want to speak to the hows and whys. Uh, Chadwick was actually dealing with colon cancer. Uh, stage three colon cancer. In fact, he was diagnosed in 2016. And for four years, he battled with this until it became stage four, which of course is Terminal. Uh his family put out a statement um via his Twitter page where they made the announcement and they said it is with immeasurable grief that we confirm the passing of Chadwick Bozeman. Chadwick was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016. Battled with it these last four years as Progressive stage four, a true fighter, Chadwick persevered through it all and brought you many of the films you have come to love so much, from Marshall to The Five Bloods, August Wilson's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and several more. All were filmed during and between countless surgeries and chemotherapy. It is It was the honor of his career to bring King T'Challa to life in Black Panther. He died in his home with his wife and family by his side. The family thanks you for your love and prayers and asks that you continue to respect their privacy during this difficult time. And it is difficult. And I can only imagine how difficult it is for his family, for his loved ones, for people who knew him to go through this now. Because it's clear to me as somebody who did not know him, who never met him. That he was the kind of person who lights up the lives of the people that are lucky enough to get to be around him. He did it for so many people who, like me, never had the opportunity to meet him through his performances, through his words, whether they be on social media or in interviews and the way he carried himself as a black man. And it's important to say as a black man, because part of the reason why he was so committed to acting, to putting out so many films in such a short window, keep in mind, that's four years, um, is because he wanted to bring black stories to life when it felt like no one else was doing that. It was important for him to be the Black Panther because the world needed a Black Panther, because young Black people, because all Black people needed a Black Panther. It was important for him to be Jackie Robinson because we needed to see Jackie Robinson on screen. We needed to see success stories, not just the awful stories about slavery or overcoming, you know, tragic situations, but the stories of triumph, the stories of beauty, the stories of love that often do not get told on the big screen. Chadwick took it upon himself to do that, even while he knew that his life was going to end and that he had to have been in a tremendous amount of pain while he was doing these roles. Uh... I was unfortunately reminded of an interview that Chadwick did in 2017 where he was asked, you came off of one Black Panther project, did Marshall, and then made another Black Panther movie. Did you bulk up, slim down, and then bulk up again? And he said... And and uh, the interview says that uh, he nodded. He's, it says nods his head looking exhausted. And he said, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the interviewer said, you've been through the ringer. And Chadwick responded, oh, you don't even know. Laughs. You have no idea. One day I'll live to tell the story. And, of course, now we know that he was struggling with cancer. And we know that the reason... Why he looked so gaunt. The reason why he was so skinny. Um, Maybe it was earlier this year or last year. And people made fun of him. For how skinny he was. When he was trying to promote. Someone else's good work. A friend of his. And everybody made fun of him for how skinny he was. And he was dealing with cancer. So... Before I close, I do want to speak to what it was like for me to watch Black Panther. I remember, and I am not really a person who, I don't specifically look for Black movies or, you know, Black actors or what have you. Uh, I just enjoy what I enjoy personally. That's how I live my life. Um I was excited for Black Panther. I wouldn't say I was uh, overly excited or immeasurably excited. I didn't know enough to know how I would be affected. But I sat in I sat in my theater, I sat I sat in my seat and uh, I looked around and everybody was black. And everybody seemed so happy. I remember I had a really nice interaction with the person sitting next to me, which You really don't have that often in movie theaters, but that person was also black, a black man, clearly very excited for what we were about to see. And I remember the movie starting and everybody just being overjoyed. I remember the first time that we saw Wakanda and just the clapping, the excitedness, it was overwhelming. And I cried. I cried because I saw so many people who looked like me on screen who were doing something that was so powerful that I couldn't even understand it until I was crying in that very moment. And I say that as, at the time, a 28-year-old person. That's to say nothing of what it must be like to be an eight-year-old person to where I only wish I had that movie when I was eight years old. And the person who played the Black Panther... The person who brought that to life has now passed on. And I want to say thank you so much, Chadwick, for your strength, for your grace, for your love, for what you brought to a role that will never be forgotten by myself or any of us, not just in the black community, but all people who were affected by what you did And knowing now what you were going through while you were doing it, while you were performing for us, while you were giving us your life, I will never be able to repay the debt that I feel like I owe you. But I know that you did it without expecting anything back. And I thank you so much, brother. And I hope that in your last moments, you were able to feel the love that you gave to everybody else because you deserve that. That's a heavy way to start the show. I will, of course, give you guys Pete Marco an opportunity if you feel like you have anything else you want to say or add.
1: Thank you for for what you were able to to give us. Um, those were moments, and they were special moments.
2: Yeah, um,
1: that was that was
2: really beautiful, Sean. Um, and I, I think uh, um, for me, that's what um is so tragic about his passing is like obviously he was a young man you know he was only in his 40s and i think he was really 43, 43. and um you know he was uh, an artist at the the height of his power you know like i think he had obviously a lot a lot more to give and a lot more ahead of him um but to learn that you know um, that these roles that he played, and obviously, especially with T'Challa, um, that he was like fighting this his own battle, and not, and it wasn't a thing that that the public knew. You know, and it was like that he was going through the training and the slimming back down, and then getting back built up, and and all that stuff. That's hard for anyone to do, but let alone when you're like fighting something as serious as colon cancer um and i and i the impression that i get from the interviews and the comments from people who did know him and everything is that like i think to your point sean that like he understood the gravity of the impact that his work had and why it was important for him to do those things even um as he was like fighting for his life you know um and i i just i don't know man it's like uh that's like what that's what a real hero does so that's it's it's just it's sad it's sad to see such a uh, obviously uh strong and 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 special person go before their time
0: yeah it's it's awful um i i did want to read some words from Phil, who uh, is away today. Um, normally, you know, if you're not on the show, you don't have a voice, but uh, this is bigger than that. That's just a joke. That's just us having fun. Uh, Phil Phil said, uh, I don't think celebrity deaths impact me very strongly very often, but this one hit me different. And it's a powerful reminder. It's a reminder of how powerful a portrayal by an actor can really be. I obviously didn't know Chadwick Boseman personally, and frankly, didn't know much about him either. But for tens of millions of people, he played a character that people that look like him never get to play, and that children never get to see. He did so with much poise and integrity. He was a real superhero. It's like Christopher Reeve from what he better put on the blue and red spandex half a century ago. Boseman is a superhero. He is T'Challa, he is Black Panther. And he is these things with all the dignity, courage, and grace that a true king carries. Wakanda forever. Thanks, Phil. Uh, I think, you know, we echo those sentiments clearly. And the entertainment world, of course, has come out. And a lot of people have, you know, it's just an overwhelming outpouring of support uh, for, for an individual who clearly lit up the lives of so many, you know, Unfortunately, a lot of times when people from Hollywood die or, you know, famous people in general, there's two sides, I guess. Um, but in, in this case, really, there is only the one side of people just being thankful um, and sad because it is sad. And he, by all accounts, was a wonderful man. And, you know, it's awful to lose someone who meant so much to so many. Um I want to close just with uh, some words from Kevin Feige. Of course, Kevin Feige, being the head honcho over at Marvel Studios, uh, he issued a statement about the loss of this amazing man. Uh, Chadwick's passing is absolutely devastating. He was our T'Challa, our Black Panther, and our dear friend, Each time he stepped on set, he radiated charisma and joy, and each time he appeared on screen, he created something truly indelible. He embodied a lot of amazing people in his work, and nobody was better at bringing great men to life. He was as smart and kind and powerful and strong as any person he portrayed. Now he takes his place alongside them as an icon for the ages. The Marvel Studios family deeply mourns his loss, and we are grieving tonight with his family. Thank you, Chadwick. Appreciate everything that you did for the people, um, for the culture, and um, you'll never be replaced. So the show must go on, right? As they say, I'm sure Chadwick uh, wouldn't want us to languish in despair i'm sure he would want us to go on and so we must and so we will um if you want to share your thoughts about his passing understand that our show is definitely a safe place to do that it feels weird to plug but i do want to let you guys know that you can write into us and talk to us about your thoughts about anything um, by getting us at the Also, of course, social media at thecomicspals. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, then be sure to leave us a comment, share this video with your friends, subscribe to our channel. And last but certainly not least, do join our Discord server where uh, we always have conversations going on. This, of course, also a topic of conversation. Um, I do want to shift gears. Our 200th episode, you know, we put that out last week. And, um, you know, we're really proud of it. We're really happy with what we accomplished. And you guys let us know that you were happy with it, too. So um, we do have a few comments uh, on the episode itself. And so uh, we did want to share those with you guys now. Uh, Pete, if you feel that you're yeah, up to yeah. it. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> like you said, the show must go on. <laughs> Uh, so this one comes from, uh, from Ryan Kluback, who writes in and says, kick-ass episode, guys and girls. Love the newlywed game and how some of the pals didn't even know the answer to the questions. <laughs> it was a really fun listen and hype that you gave it beforehand. And the hype that you gave it beforehand was definitely justified. Thank you, Ryan.
0: Thanks. Appreciate that, man.
2: Uh, we also got words from Catherine. Uh, Catherine says, very late to this. Been crazy, but a good and very special episode. Nice to listen to after some of the stresses of the week I had. Y'all are great.
0: Thank you, and I appreciate you sharing, uh, or rather retweeting the episode on Twitter. Very, very much appreciated. Those kinds of things are the way that we get this show out to more people. And you know, we encourage you guys, of course, if you enjoy what we do, to always try and spread the gospel you know um it, it's it's really really helpful and very much appreciated um snake of talons also had a couple of comments shout out to him by the way for winning our giveaway over
2: on twitter of that Hoxpox hardcover hope you enjoy it buddy Ooh. uh so yeah. snake wrote in and said what a great episode i really enjoyed the honeymoon game that you guys did uh, it was nice to see another aspect of your lives and get to meet everyone. Me and my girlfriend actually often play games we find on podcasts, so I convinced her to do this one with me. We're going to see how we do in comparison to the rest of the pals couples. That's awesome. Definitely let us know. Right in with the, with the score.
0: <laughs> he actually did. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. He did, and I don't want to go through all the answers, but uh, according to him, and of course I believe him, he won. He would have won. Wow, yeah, I'm impressed. Uh, so, I I tabulated it, and I th- I think it was a 19 or a 20. Wow, and I believe that. Go ahead, no, it's bow. Yeah, uh, and I, Rebecca and I scored. I believe it was an 18. Um, now Talons, you actually marked yourself wrong. You guys, you marked yourselves wrong on a question that you actually got right. So. The newlywed game—it's uh, not about whether or not you and your partner actually know the answer. It's about you answering the same way. So you guys uh, gave the answer of—I forget—Age of, I forget oh, Age it, of uh, Ultron. Oh, Age of Ultron when it was really Guardians. So that was actually a point in your favor. Uh, but I—I I must say, everyone wins at home. It's a different beast. <laughs> yeah, there's no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's no pressure. Nothing is on the line. These guys had to tell us embarrassing stories. These guys and gals had to tell embarrassing stories for you on the air. So, um hey, next time we do it, maybe we'll reach out and you can test yourself against the rest Man, of us in real time. It's
2: so funny because like I I, I didn't expect to win but when we came so close and didn't i just wanted to win so bad because i didn't brag going into it at all I was just been like you know no yeah. big deal <sighs> you know it's just Low like ah, so fucking close
0: <laughs> yep yeah i know what you mean and if and if we would have lost if i if we would have <laughs> lost to you that would have been fine in the sense <laughs> that i'd rather that than anyone else But it would have stung, of course. We talked a lot of crap. It was
2: funny though, too, because you also totally softened. I remember, like halfway through, you are like, "I mean, hey, you guys are in second place. If you win, like you've been honorable, you know, you are just like already softened." Like, if I lose to you, it's fine, you know. I didn't talk shit to you. It's Kale that would have been a problem. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I never, I never said anything about you or Sarah, Nope, sure, (laughs) Um, because I respect you. You know,
2: as respects mutual, man. I, I respect you too, Marco.
1: Nah, Miranda was talking shit. No,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yo, Mari does not respect yeah. Marco. That's what we all learned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, man. Um, thanks as
2: always for writing in, bud.
0: Yeah, appreciate it, man. Also, uh, the Swamp Thing book club that we put out last week is is doing fairly well as well. Thank you guys for that, and we do have a comment. Regarding that. Yeah, this one comes from uh, Pudox Classroom. I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to guess that's pronounced. Pudoc,
2: Pudox? Pudox? Pudox. Um, I really enjoyed this. I cannot wait until you do more of the Alan Moore run. Guess what? Me neither because it was real good and I want to read the rest of it. Let's go. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned yep, for that next and we one. we will be. Part two, yep. baby. In due time. 2021. Guarantee. Um, yeah, so we've got the book club out now. Go check that out if you haven't, if you're a fan of Swamp Thing, if you're a fan of Alan Moore. I think uh this this represented a gap for all of us except for Marco, so um I'm gonna assume it might for you as well. So give that a listen. And if you have read it, then also give it a listen <laughs> and uh you know, come hear our thoughts.
2: I-, I will say this. I know we always like I want you to listen to every one of our book clubs, right? But like I think yeah. to the gap conversation. I really really think that you should read this book. Like I feel like it is it's like one of those books that everyone knows is good, but a lot of the people that I know that read comics have never tried it, even if they love Alan Moore, us included.
1: Check it out. It's yeah. good shit. It's, it's the a, good shit. It's a gem in the mud.
0: In the muck, in the muck, bud. <laughs> uh so Today, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about all the huge hype stuff that came out of DC fandom. Of course, we apologize. Our show ended, and then they decided to do everything that was cool. <laughs> we um, got Wonder Woman 2 in. That one was right under did, the wire. <laughs> we did get 1984 <laughs> in, and that was hype, and that was fun, um, but nothing compares to the Batman trailer, which we will be talking about. God damn. Um We also got news about the return of Milestone believe it or not. Uh, and uh, as it turns out, New Mutants is a movie, but is it a good movie? We will have answers to all that. And we're going to be reviewing X-Men 11 and Batman 3 Jokers all coming soon. But before we get to that, we do have to do the pals polls. So we're going to start with Marco, who chose Strange Adventures number five.
1: Yeah, boy. Um, I love Strange Adventures. It's, um, I think it's finally turning into that book that I think I've... I feel a little more familiar with. Um, I might have mentioned, like, at the our second or third review that you know it typically involves Sardath, some some sort of like twist there, and um, there's always like a deeper layer to whatever's going on on Ron. And um, I think that those things are, are definitely coming ahead. And I, you know it, we're only four issues in, but I'm I'm definitely excited to see where everything's going. Mister Terrific is terrific, and. Um, sure yeah man i mean th- this is this is a good book I-, I think it's sultan of swing who's also been very high on it and um yeah so yeah I'm, I'm excited for more uh i know that we're not always hot on tom king depending on the book but i do think that that he's hitting um he's hitting a soft spot for me definitely and so i'm, I'm excited to see what else he's gonna deliver where else the story goes and what other twists are coming
0: <sighs> yep <No. laughs> i i uh I don't. I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to disagree. I th- I thought four was, I thought four was strong.
2: I still haven't read four. Um, I think I I missed that. Re- I think anyway, right? I missed that review.
1: I feel like. I think so. Yeah. Me and Pete were both out. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. I was just gonna say. I feel like you we were both. Yeah.
1: Out. But but that's like the scratching the surface of what typically happens in a sometimes like strange story. So, um, it it, it it's leading and indicating to good. Um, a good direction.
3: Cool.
2: Good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that because I, I really want to like the book. I really want it to come together and I don't feel like it's dropped the ball yet, but the fact that it's like at four, you're like, oh, it's really like kind of gelling. It's like, all right, well, that's we got a lot left. So that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, I feel better about it than I do Empire, which is also dropping next week. Empire number what? Five. Oh, so that's still a little thing. R6. Six. Six. Yep. Uh so we will be reviewing both of those books.
2: Dude. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, I don't want to read Empire anymore. I'm so I'm, <sighs> I'm so done.
1: <laughs> can I can I speak if, for the two pals that aren't on the show and um say that we shouldn't review the book? That that's at least a 3 against 2 vote. So I just also said I don't like it oh, so that's a, that's, a,
2: that's a 4 against 1 vote if you're going to cheat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, see the problem that you guys are having with your argument is that we actually have listeners, right? right. And they <laughs> count two. no I know, and some of them like the book. I know, and they
2: apparently so. they like listening to us talk about how much we don't like it. So I we'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> yep. Look, I do it all for uh, you. It's 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 you know it's fine. <laughs> and then and then they wonder
1: why I drink. <laughs> <laughs> Dark.
2: If you're not watching on YouTube, Marco's he's just taking a drink of red wine.
3: It's noon.
0: <laughs> it's noon. It's wow. It's wine hour. Uh Marco and I both did choose an Al Ewing book that we anticipate to actually be yeah. good. Uh we only find them when they're dead, number one.
1: I I I mean from what we've seen and like so sort of the preview images, this is like high sci-fi. You know, massive scale. That's the kind of shit that I definitely love. Um, and Al Ewing, he's you know, outside of Empire, uh, from what I've read of Immortal Hulk, he he knocks it out of the park, man. And and if he's doing something within his wheelhouse, I think that that's going to be something special. If it's something that he's definitely having fun with, I think he'll he'll write a strong story, strong characters, and I'm I'm there for him. Plus, what he's what it looks like, this story might be.
2: What was the conceit of this one?
1: I remember like talking about this, but I can't remember
2: what the deal was with it.
1: They like go hunting for these massive sort of uh, space gods, but they're but anytime that they come across one, it's just like remains and um, they're like just corpses basically. But but they, I think uh, and Sean Kirkman from on, they're trying to find a live one, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's their goal. Interesting. Yeah, looks good. I'm really excited about it. Oh, the boom um, book. Yep. It's a boom book. Boom is killing Booming. Boom is absolutely hey. killing Hey.
3: Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get into the news, you know, we just talked about uh, the unfortunate passing of Chadwick, and I didn't want to speak to this, what I'm about to talk about, uh, while we were talking talking about his life and sort of celebrating him because it's disrespectful but I can't do this show and I cannot finish this episode without bringing this up because I am burned by this screenrant.com put out an article hours literally hours after the man died titled how can Marvel can Marvel continue making uh Black Panther movies? Something to that effect. Yeah, it was like what
2: happens with Black Panther 2?
0: kind of thing. Like, right. Yeah, what happens with Black Panther 2? Some, something something along those lines. I'm trying to find it and, you know what? and, I'll, and pull it up. I'll now. find
2: it. I know they they deleted it.
0: They I did think, delete it. Um, oh, really? But
2: I know that um this uh Liam Robertson is a YouTuber who I follow on Twitter who He screenshotted it and was like, you know, commentating on how it was fucking disgusting. So, I know he has it. Can Black Panther 2 still happen? Marvel's Options Without Chadwick Boseman is the title. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How the fuck is hours after a person died? Oh, sorry. Posted within an hour. Within an hour. Of his death, which is so much grosser. Yeah, because... They 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 probably only barely finished publishing uh, the announcement of his death before they published that. How is that the appropriate time to be thinking about what happens next? Now, I guess if you're an individual, thinking about it is fine. That's up to you. But for that to be what you're, you're capitalizing on death, you're capitalizing on a man dying of cancer to get clicks on what Marvel should do next, what their next steps are. And, like, I got to, as um
2: as somebody who's, like, I'm an SEO professional by day, like, that's 100% like, a, oh, we got to be the first one to lock down those keyword combinations so that when people Google about B- Black Panther 2, it's like, fuck you, man. Like, how fucking callous can you be, you know? And, like, especially yeah. when, like, you know, like, Screen Rant and, like, they're both... That's Screen Rant and CBR, like, the same parent company, whatever. Like, you know, you you purport to be, oh, it's it's fan news by fans for... And it's like, fuck you, dude. That's, like, this is, like, the most callous, like, fucking... Just crass shit, you know? Like, have some goddamn respect. Like, a man is dead.
0: Ah. Yeah. Just, like, it- gross gross it is gross that's a perfect word for their behavior it's condemnable it's disgusting uh i don't understand how that got published i don't know who they have over there i don't know how you could fix your fingers to write that honestly like is the check i cannot imagine i cannot imagine that the check from screen rant is so big (laughs) that you have to uh put your morals aside to write that. So you must be a shit if you're willing to do it. I just cannot imagine. I can't. Have some respect. Anybody who is trying to capitalize on his death monetarily, anybody who is trying to get their agenda across, capitalizing on his death, now is not the time. You want to talk about ableism. You want to talk about Marvel. You want to talk about Um, You know, all these different things. Now's not the time. If you want to talk about the need for black people to get uh, colon testing, colon screening, that's fine. That's the lesson. That's that's an acceptable lesson because it is an issue in our community. And, you know, it is something that a lot of uh, especially black men are uncomfortable with. They say you should start doing it at 45. Obviously, he died even earlier than that and got diagnosed even earlier. So keep that in mind. That's worth discussing. But all this conversation about what Marvel should do next or conversations about ableism, save that shit for another time. This is not the time for your agenda. Okay? A guy's dead. Let's mourn and let's have that be the space and call it a day. Enough. It's so unbelievable. Yeah.
2: It's uh, it, it's it's one of those decisions <clears throat> that it's like how, how did as many people as need to sign off on this do? You know? Like yeah. I worked for CBR, right? Like full disclosure. Um, I didn't work for Screen Rant, but there's crossover between those teams and stuff sometimes. Like I, multiple editors like put that in a back end – found a writer to write it edited it and put it out like there were so many layers of someone to be like "Mm, maybe let's wait on this one right like like that comes out three months from now it's a whole hell of a lot less fucking gross than publishing it within an hour yeah so like i you know
0: it's it's not an unreasonable conversation to have it's not a conversation we're going to be having on this podcast uh this week next week the week after that i don't know when it's gonna come up um it unfortunately it has to down the road at some point when we feel comfortable when the pain is gone or when it's softened. it's less fresh (laughs) exactly it's ridiculous it's common sense jesus christ Let's move on. Let's talk about happier things because there actually are, believe it or not, there are happy things happening in 12, 2020. There are some good things. And I can't believe that I'm going to say this. But DC fandom has been one of those good things. It really was. It
2: really was. I'll tell you It I'll, was legit good. I'll tell you what, Sean, uh, it just it just goes to show you and I are always right. I mean, we both it could be good could be great if it's great if they come with the, the announcements as they come with the hype they brought the hype they brought the flavor yeah. it was there man yeah. like yep. most of those panels had some cool shit
0: they were legit i watched i i saw almost the entire thing uh they so what they did was they ran it straight through um starting at 12 i believe yep. 12 eastern and then when it ended, they actually just re reran it across, and that second rerun—if you didn't catch it at that point—that was it. It, it. it ended. You can't watch it anymore, which I don't think is intelligent. I'm not oh, sure be on why. YouTube. Yeah, just put it put it out. Put the segments out. I don't. I don't get it. Um, and maybe they have and i didn't notice but i don't i haven't heard any word of that you got to imagine yeah. that somebody like there's a
2: torrent out there with a million downloads of this thing probably <laughs> you know like sure. and it's just like yeah. i don't know why you're passing that up you know like
0: different portions of it have come out like obviously the trailers have come out um things like that but like the the conversational pieces the panels uh i haven't seen uh but We are not the only people who tuned in to watch it because apparently 22 million viewers tuned in uh, between the video player, uh, live streams, and uh, user-generated content. So um, trailer-wise, 150 million views overall from from all the trailers, uh, which seems low, but I guess that's probably within the 24-hour period. Yeah, you
2: gotta imagine, right? Like now, I think the Batman trailer probably has more, like more than that at this point, right? But yeah,
0: um,
2: yeah, they're probably talking about like the over the weekend or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, and but what's really amazing is when you compare that to uh, Comic Con at home, Mm -hmm. which we you know we talked about San Diego blew it out of the water completely (laughs) out of the water. That speaks to the power of having um a structured so they they had a structured event right where you kind of had to tune in or you couldn't watch it i think that added to people's like uh motivation to want to tune in and watch i know it did for me because i felt like oh god i don't know if they're going to i don't know when this will be available again um but then also just having like really hype stuff yeah, to show i think that's the the real thing is that like you
2: know when we first talked about the dc fandom and there was kind of like some reservation among the group like that was what we laid out was like I mean they, they have to come with things that are worth tuning in for and I mean like fucking A right like they had a bunch of stuff that if it was like one of two big announcements for the day you probably would have been like yeah that's still that's still pretty good you know like the Rocksteady Suicide Squad game getting a tease and seeing Gotham yeah. Knights those yeah. alone are like if you're a video game person pop like that's it that's a day if you're a movie person there was what four five trailers for things that people give a shit about you know and like they weren't all equal right like obviously the uh we're gonna watch all of them in a minute and like talk about them or whatever but like the batman trailer i think is a bigger deal than like the suicide squad tease but that doesn't make that not cool
1: right and and to your point i think sean like because they didn't let they, they didn't have sort of that follow-up afterwards where you could see the whole thing. Like, to have to tune into it probably made people want to, like, watch it more because I think that was one of the big things. That that was, like, Phil's biggest critique of, uh, of Comic-Con was, like, I'll just watch it later. Mm-hmm. And if you and can't... You, go ahead. No, yeah, and if you can't, then you just can't. You're just watching sort of the
0: announcements, and that's it. And and I'll watch it later often turns into I'll watch it never. Or right. I'll
2: watch, um you know... Comicbook.com or someone else's, like, here's a cut-up of the yep. things that were cool or, like, whatever, yeah. you know, like, or I'll read about it or we'll talk about it on the show and I'll learn about it that way, you know, it's, yeah. Whereas this, I think it felt more like an event. Yes. And, you know, like, I saw... um And granted, it's like a little bit skewed because like Greg Miller is a huge DC guy, but like kind of funny did like a watch along for it, you know, and like I saw people like on Twitch who were watching it and stuff like that. And I don't like I'm sure people were doing that with Comic-Con, but I don't remember there being that same heat around it, you know, and and, like you ask me right now, um, you know, what a month or so removed from Comic-Con at home, like what were the announcements from it? I don't know, but uh, six months from now. Two years from now, even, I bet if you were like, oh, what was that? The first DC fandom, I'll be like, oh, that was when we saw the Batman trailer, you know? And that was when, you know, we saw uh, Gotham Knights for the first time. Like, those are are heavy fucking hits. And, like, I feel like that's the kind of shit you can only really get when you either have the cooperation from a lot of the big dogs. Like, you usually get at a Comic-Con or, like, you know, an E3, I guess, to make, like, another analog. Or... If you're one of the big dogs and you've been sitting on stuff, you know, like this was uh, a serendipitous thing. The fact that they had two days worth of stuff that they were ready because that's the thing. There's another there's part two of this coming up, which yep. is like there's probably gonna be a bunch of other really hype shit. And you think about all the stuff that they canceled and like like, you know, it's funny because I think all of those things coalesce to it actually working better. Because it being a one-day thing with you knew what was coming and it's like, I could skip and choose, pick in for the things that I think are going to be cool or whatever. Like if you're just a video game person, you could watch both of those things and be like, I'm out. Cool. I got my experience. But if not, if you wanted to check it all out, it was actually like an attainable amount of things to watch. You know? And I think that makes a big difference too. Of like, yeah, I'll make a day of this. I'll grab a fucking six-pack and tune in. Like let's see what's up.
0: Yep. Exactly. Or, you know, I'll leave it running and I'll do things around the house. I'll get on the elliptical. I'll do whatever the hell I do. Mm -hmm. And it'll be there. And when it's hype, it'll be hype. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so I'll sit down and pay um, attention when they got something good to show me. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So I I think, you know, there's a wider conversation to be had about what the future holds for uh, DC fandom, for uh, conventions in general, because... You know, with such a massive success compared to the failure of uh s d c c at home, it's kind of like well does does warner does d c see a reason to ever return with their hype announcements when they could just save it all and package it the way they want to for you know their audience the curated experience um that's something that we are definitely going to be discussing. As time goes on, I think if next year we're able to have physical events, I would be shocked if DC Fandom wasn't it wasn't a thing. It, yeah, um, that's definitely possible for there to
2: be a, become a physical component of it. But I think even if they don't, um, and I know, like you said, we're going to talk about this later. But just to kind of put a period on my thoughts of it right now, I think there's no way that this isn't a hugely disruptive event. Yes. in the landscape this was a huge success for them and there's no no reason that they wouldn't want to do it again um so for me whether or not they do make a physical event like maybe they do and it's like a um like sony used to do like psx where it's like it is a, a thing that's broadcasted but if you live in or you're willing to travel to california you could go do it there because that's where their office is now right is in yeah, yeah, yeah. Burbank. so maybe it's in you know san francisco or la or something. Um so maybe they do it that way and it's like a limited thing that you can event go to as an event, but mostly it's online and it's press people and a few influencers that actually go. Um, but even if they don't go that route, you do DC fandom every year and you still have a big booth at San Diego so you can sell swag. Yep. Right. You know, and just don't bring the trailers, you know, maybe you have a panel, maybe you do something like that, have a Q and a, but like save the big guns, the big stuff for your own event. And like, own the day like they did.
1: You, own the week. Use it as you can. Like use that as like build up to be like yo, but also like you know you, we we don't have all the details right now, but you'll learn about it at Fandom at DC Fandom. Sure. Or
2: the opposite, right? You saw your first glimpse of the Batman at DC Fandom today. You know, here we you know we're gonna talk about this other stuff and you Robert, Robert Pattinson. Just stretch it out, you know. And it's right. like you get another headline, you get another room full of people hyped about the movie, but. Who cares? You already got your press about it.
1: It's just more. If if they do do a a physical event, I'd be hyped for the dome.
0: Yep. To put it in like an actual dome?
1: Dome. No, like
0: Mm in an actual dome. That
3: would be
2: so fucking sick. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I, I just feel like there's endless potential now because of the fact that it's a branded thing. You can present it. I mean, think about think about the possibilities of presenting it almost like a theme park in the sense that everywhere you look is dc something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everywhere you look is a batman car from the movie or a joker costume or you know whatever, who cares? And out on your way to these hype panels, there's all this cool stuff for you to see. San Diego Comic-Con or even New York Comic-Con, whatever, they can't do that. There's way too many different brands presented. And you don't have the, the capacity to really curate the experience for your uh, for your fans. So I, I feel like the possibilities are endless. I think DC Fandom was a success. We know it was a success. Every panel almost was like Hall H level. It's crazy. Dude,
2: you know what's really interesting too? You just, thinking about
0: the physical aspect.
2: Of, I'm sorry. I know we want to move on to the trailers. But um, – the idea of, like, if they have a big video game announcement at every one of these things or every other one of them, imagine it's a physical event and they have, like, as many video game kiosks as they have for every game at, like, a Comic-Con, but it's all just Gotham Knights, so, like, every motherfucker who wants to play it can play it for, like, an hour or two. Like,
1: Hell yeah. That would be
2: huge, too, of, like, yeah, you get to really just control the narrative more.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 crazy, the potential. You look at what Blizzard does, and you look at what a positive experience that is for fans of Blizzard. It's only Blizzard, you know, everywhere you look. They're able to build sets. They're able to do cool stuff. So I feel like we're going to hear a lot more about that later. But uh, for now, I do want to get into the Batman trailer, and actually we're going to do something pretty cool for you uh, YouTube viewers. We're actually going to be playing the trailer alongside our conversation so that you can watch it with us um, and, uh, you know, gives you something more to look at than our faces. Come subscribe, audio listeners. Yes, (laughs) come join us over there on YouTube where we are currently watching the Batman trailer as we talk about it. So I'm assuming you guys already saw it, of course, right? I've seen this like five
2: times now. I don't even like, I don't really fuck with trailers and I'm like real into this trailer.
0: (laughs) So, I've seen this trailer over 20 times. And well, I've seen everything. <laughs> I've put a lot of thought into every single thing that happens in it. Um, it's mind blowing. This trailer is so, so good. My joy level was on 10 <laughs> when I watched this for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time. Um, Everything about it is just so cool. This first... We're seeing here the first appearance of Batman. Um, yeah, Just the, the, the boots. Like, he just looks so Robert cool. Robert Pattinson I, looks great. Yeah. Like, I'm tired of looks, people talking shit, frankly. Yeah. Get over it. It's Robert Pattinson. Wow, big deal. Look at this badass. Yeah, he looks know? fucking awesome. Like, this is, like... This is what I think of when I think of Batman,
2: you know? Like, he yeah. reminds me of, like, the Arkham Batman... You know, like, where it's, like, it's a more modern suit. It's, like, a little bit more, like, you know, like, like it's, like, body armor. But, like, he just looks, like, sleek and cool and definitely, like, he's got, like, fucking goth boy energy. And, like, sorry, guys, that's Batman. Like, you don't, you might not like it, but Batman's a brooding goth kid who dresses up in all black and wears military boots. So, (laughs) yeah.
1: Catwoman looks tight in this. I, I look, like the way she looks. Like yeah. the little ears and shit. I yeah, like that. Yeah. The
2: fact that it's like very lo-fi too. Like I really oh, like the whole like. The best part. Year one. Look at Year him. two vibe look at this. Him. Yeah. Like the fighting is like Ooh, really boom. brutal too. Like so it's not good. like super choreographed. Like he's just wailing on this guy. You know. Yeah. Batmobile looks like more classic.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you guys realize that this is the penguin, that guy right there in the car? Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize
2: it the first time I watched, but, like, when uh, I sure. saw people talking about it afterwards, I was like, oh, <laughs> did not clock that one at all.
0: Colin Farrell, nonetheless. Dude, yeah.
2: Um the way they made him look, too, like, I would would not have known that was never. Colin Farrell.
1: I didn't. I didn't make that connection like the first like two times that I saw it, where it was just like, oh, I wonder who this person is. They keep like panning to him every once in a while, and then it's like, oh yeah, Colin Farrell, by the way. About like, what? No, I just stand there, look at the, the image, and be like, nah, it's not him.
0: I really like the logo, too. Can I just can I just point out this insane thing right here where <laughs> Batman rises from wherever? Like, where did he come from?
2: <laughs> You know what, you, but yeah. you know what reminds You have is like uh you, you, you like 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 Vegas magicians like they come out of like a hole in the floor and there's like smoke coming out you know
0: <laughs> He's like The logo yeah. just looks so sweet. I love how it comes into play there. And then the part that pissed off so many fanboys uh here we see of course Robert Pattinson taking off the uh mask and you see his um, in all his my chemical mascara. romance glory <laughs> yeah, and this is something that is just so insane um, that it bothers people that he has this. I mean, you know that Batman wears this, right? Like every movie, his eyes, the his under eye is black and his upper eye is black. How does one get that effect without actually putting on that mascara or some type of obscuring thing? Like, I'm just going to I don't get I'm going to just be 100% real here. You know,
2: this is a place where we get real. If you feel that way, you're a fake-ass fanboy. You're a fake nerd. Okay, You can't
1: tell me what to like
2: beat. No, you're right. You're allowed to not like it, but if you're like, oh, why is Batman? Then you're a fake nerd. That's all I'm saying. Like It was like when they showed the announcement of like they're going to do a She-Hulk thing, and everyone's like, oh, why is it going to be a She-Hulk? It's like, oh, really? Cool. You just fucking burned up your nerd card, loser.
1: Is that why people got mad? Because it was a <laughs> She-Hulk? Yeah. Of course they did. <laughs>
0: it's fucking idiot. My thing is... It's not even a thing to not like. You like it when you see Batman w- with his eyes like that. Yeah. So when he takes off the ca- the mask, what do you expect to see? I don't uh, like magically all the movies remove this when he takes off the uh, mask. But uh, it's it's there. It's dumb. And I love the fact they that do that. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. It's dumb that they. This take is it off. like that makes it feel more grounded. Of
2: like, oh, he comes home and pulls it off, and this is the person underneath. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm um, I'm very excited for Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. I I really liked him his character in um, Westworld. I don't know I, I've yes. seen him in anything else, but I I very much enjoyed his acting,
2: dude. Just the the we're watching the first shot of him right now again, but uh, it's the first one where you see him like from the front. This one, yeah, that's just like the Jim Gordon face. He just looks like he's like sucking on a fucking lemon, you know, like it's like. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks yep. so goddamn annoyed.
0: <laughs> um I don't know if you guys caught that there, but he's he opens the uh <clears throat> the the card and if you look really closely, it's a little tough. There's an owl right there.
3: Oh, oh shit. I, I didn't did catch that. that. Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh and it says from your secret friend and there's an owl with a skeleton. So uh, lots of thoughts that that might be a court of owls reference. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it would be very cool to see that. Yeah, maybe they're landing. Uh, the we gotta to talk about. Later. Yeah, we gotta talk about the Riddler, right? Like, hell yeah! Come on, look at how crazy he looks. Like, it's such a departure, of course, from the Riddler that we know and love. Um, but. I love that it's different because, again, you know, this is Catwoman's early days. This is Batwoman's early days – or Batman's early days. Penguin's early days, what's the Riddler like in his early days? This is not what we were used to, but it's different. This is giving me, like, a Zodiac Killer vibe. He's obsessed with the idea that um, the DA is a liar, that he's been lying about something. He's clearly murdered the DA, um, and there's some association between – that and Batman. Of course, we don't know what it is yet. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I think what we're seeing is that the Riddler is obsessed with the corruption that exists within Gotham on the police level, but also on the um, political level. And that in some way impacted his life, whether he lost a loved one to it or he lost an opportunity or whatever the case may be. And he believes that Batman is responsible for that whether it's in a direct way in that he influenced what has harmed the riddler or he believes that batman is protecting those institutions by not doing enough to stop white collar crime um and he's pushing batman in that direction we see batman obviously beating the shit out of a local goon maybe this version of batman this early on is not actually focused on the kind of crime that we know he does later become focused on, which is the kind of crime of, um, of a police and politicians. So maybe the Riddler's trying to push him to see what he's not seeing. That's my. It's, mind. it's interesting that you say that too because I
2: hadn't really like thought about that. But like as he's wailing on that guy, you know, like I was saying, he's really just giving it to him, you know, and like there's nothing like y about right. it um they cut to a bunch of other you know i guess crooks or whatever right like and they look like younger kids yeah and they're like very clearly afraid of him yep um so yeah that's that's an interesting that's an interesting wrinkle like i hadn't considered that but now that you lay that out there i can definitely are
1: those not like jokers like like because my understanding from what what it appears to be is obviously like like the makeup and everything is that you know, uh, I'm, what I'm hoping for is that any reference to, to Joker in this movie based off of those characters is like, maybe Batman's already dealt with him or he's like, you know, a figure that isn't necessarily, because they all have the makeup kind of thing. They do look like the Joker like, gang. That's what I had presumed them to be.
0: They actually don't all the way, so like this guy right here um, half has half. And that has led people to think he might be um idolizing Two-Face. So, one of the theories is that these people are kids who are idolizing some of the crazy that's going on in Gotham and they're adopting those personas on their faces. Now, that... I don't know how I feel about that, but um, it definitely seems like a possibility because all of their faces look kind of sort of different and they're not colored in a way that like there's no color to their faces the way there is the Joker. It so, had the blues um, and the reds. Did
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one guy on the the le- the right over here. Like it's it's like a dark, but it's like it's not necessarily a black. It looks like he's
2: got black around his mouth too, though. And it looks like
1: a, I, I don't know. I, I had seen it as like a dark, like a darkish blue versus the black that's on the front guy's eye, like the the guy that you highlighted.
0: But we would need red. We would need red to symbolize Joker, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because,
2: like, the whole Two-Face angle to it, like, that could be that, but that could also just be,
0: like, an Easter egg. It could also just be his face paint, you know, came off or whatever, like, who knows, right? It's, it's contextual reason, yeah, yeah. It's really early. Um, mo- More than likely, they are just goons, you know? Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of people criticize Batman for going after uh, marginalized people. And that's definitely what those people look like. Um, they don't look like goons who are being paid by someone with a, you know an agenda making them rich or whatever. They look like just young punks. And I think playing off that and then having Riddler critique Batman for that and then having Batman have to look elsewhere for the real source of crime in Gotham. Because remember, a thug killed his parents. Right. So I could easily see that being the angle that they're playing on here. And I think that's really cool. Um, I, uh, I guess I'll I think it up. Um, I, I, I think like yeah, all of that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like this is the Batman that I've been waiting for my entire life. Um, I've always wanted a version of Batman that is a detective, a Jim Gordon, who is a detective, who does detective work. Um, a grittier version of Batman. I feel like The Dark Knight is not gritty. It's clean dark. Um, you know, it's beautiful, it's bright. Gotham is. Um, this is not like that. You know, this is very orange, this is very bleak. And that feels what closer looking. to the ground and like dirtier. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. So yeah. I'm way excited, overboard excited. I feel like I'm 14 years old again, rewatching Spider-Man Three trailers 50,000 times a day. Um, of course, I hope this turns out better than Spider-Man Three, but uh, I'm very confident in Matt Reeves and the.
2: What a name people. to invoke while we're talking about how excited we are for <laughs> this. <laughs> it reminds me of Spider-Man Three. Oh no! Don't <laughs> say that. Oh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, I think, like, symbolism and all those things aside, which are all interesting wrinkles, like, to me, it's just, like, the style of this and the scope that we've been promised, I'm right there with you of, like, this is, like, this is, like, my Batman, this is what I want out of a Batman story, you know, is, like, this kind of, you know, the, the smaller detective, like, kind of... You know, the grit, the grime a little bit. Um, and I don't mean in like an edgy way, but in a like, the way that like Star Wars is kind of dirty, yep. you know, like everything, it's, it feels lived in, you know, like that is very appealing to me. Um, and again, I think, I think Robert Pattinson looks fucking rad in the cowl. So I'm, I'm here for it.
1: I dude. don't know that there's like a Batman necessarily that I sort of envision or want. I think... Uh, I think I think having the character and having it executed very well is probably the the best thing, and so that, like that's what I'm I'm looking for, and I think based off of this, it looks like it's going to be quality.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Is that kid recording him with
2: a phone? Was he? Uh. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, right here in the front, in the foreground. Oh
2: shit! That's funny. Yeah, I never noticed that. Wow. Damn, bro. Hmm. Oh, I totally think you're right. Where there's going to be like, an oh, that's fucking cool. Okay. I see you, Matt Reeves. I see what you're doing, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah,
0: so uh, speaking of Matt Reeves, he actually uh, he actually did have a lot to say, um, enough that I think it's worth reflecting on a little bit. Uh, we know that it is a year two story very definitively. Um, he's mentioned it several times at this point. This is reflecting on Batman's early days, but it's not an origin story. I think collectively we've all seen enough of that. So I'm glad for that.
2: Um, I don't ever need to see Batman's parents get shot again. Ever get shot? I thought
1: he was—they blew up on a planet.
0: (laughs) Wrong. The last son of Gotham. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong hero. Um, Reeves talks a lot about how you know Batman isn't a normal superhero. Um, He's compelled. He has a compulsion to uh to do this and i always think that's an interesting wrinkle that a lot of people don't touch on as much batman is not doing this necessarily altruistically Mm -hmm. uh there is an essence there is an uh an element of compulsion there's an element of you know something mentally not right uh with him that drives him to behave this way um He's clearly driven by his past, uh, driven by pain, you know. Um, He talked about the Gotham show, the the Gotham PD series that we're getting on HBO Max uh, that a lot of people were angry about at the time. I wonder how they feel now. Um, He said the following. I mean, for me, the idea of the story was a story in which Gotham has that sort of depth of of corruption and then the idea that we could actually do a series that is going deeper into an aspect of it, which in this case is the corrupt corrupt police department and the inner workings of the city. And the way we're going to do the series, which is, I mean, Terrence Winter is just like an incredible writer. So the idea that we got him to do this is just literally a dream. And the idea is we go back to year one, and year one is the beginning of the emergence and is the first appearance of this mass vigilante that starts to unsettle the city and you start to see the story through the point of view of these corrupt cops and one or one in particular and the story is actually a battle for his soul so that's cool
2: yeah i'm 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 way more interested in that show like having seen this and then like having such a positive response to it you know um just because I think I've been, like, excited by the idea of Matt Reeves Batman, but until seeing this, I wasn't really, like, in in on it because it's, like, it's just an idea, right? Like, it sounds good. It sounds like what I want. But seeing this, it's like, yeah, no, it seems like you're hitting all the right notes. It seems like, like we have the same um, interpretation of the character, right? So, like, yeah, man. Give me what you got.
0: Yeah, um, he he talked about the inspirations, and he, he apparently um, one of the books that inspired Reeves a lot was Batman Ego, which is not a book that I've actually ever read before. Never heard um, of it. So it's a book in which uh, he he thinks he's doing the right thing. But it ends up being the wrong thing. It ends up hurting someone, um, and he decides. Bruce does that. He he wants to not be Batman anymore. But in the story, it creates like two people. It, it splits him in half. The Zen and so is that
1: is that that one Zen or R or whatever?
0: No, oh. that's uh, Batman RIP. Uh, in this one. It's a it's the Batman, and it's a monster it's a literal monster manifest, and then Bruce Wayne um huh. and so Reeves said he's confronting the beast that is Batman and it's that kind of duality about him confronting the shadow side of himself and the degree to which you have self-knowledge so very interesting um, that looks really cool. We should read that for the the book club uh when we get you know closer to the Batman. yeah, we very well may do that. Um, so yeah, really, really, really exciting stuff on the Batman front. Uh, now we have to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I think now we know is the official name for this production. Um,
1: <laughs> the 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 title is Zack Snyder's presents. The new and actual Batman,
0: all in smaller Imagine. text. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna get into that right now. We're gonna show you that trailer as we dissect it. Here we go. Uh, the first thing that I have to say is that this music is awful. It's so comically what? bad. If you didn't
1: like it? It was a good cover.
0: No, it's not. It's is a, is it's, it even a cover? I think that's yeah. the real yeah. deal. Oh, it is. Okay. No, it's, is that, no, no, I don't it's think it's a cover, it's the cover. version.
2: Okay. Um, the thing is, that's also a song that, like, there are three versions of it, and which one you know best is definitely based on how old you are and, like, which movie you saw it in first. <laughs> um, but that, as a thing, is enough for me to just be like, A, I, don't, I didn't think it was a good cover. B, I'm done hearing that song in movies. Like, it's, it's like – it was like how – there was, like, that point for, like, ten years where every fucking, like, big video game trailer had Kanye West power in it. Yeah. And it's just like pick a new song. Like do something else. Totally. Um, but music removed, what do we think about the track? No, the
1: slow motion Sean, bits are great. What?
2: I'm most interested to hear what you think about it, Sean.
0: Oh, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I really, I really did. I legitimately did. Um there's so much good here. Uh, so first of all we so we see, see, see dark side right dark sides in this for sure um, he's in the beginning that's clearly I'll, I'll actually just go back to it um, that's clearly dark side uh, at an earlier point in his life this is obviously the scene from the movie where all the heroes of the world and outer world are coming to uh defend Earth from in the movie it's uh it's uh shoot what's that guy's name? Oh Steppenwolf it's Steppenwolf right? in the movie yeah. but it was supposed to be Dark Side and so that's what we're seeing there. Um and here's the nightmare sequence that we saw. It's a future sequence. You can see the Justice League um emblem there. It's broken. So clearly the Justice League exists and was destroyed. Um, oh, I guess that's Aquaman's spear. There, yeah. yes. There's a Joker playing card that flies by somewhere there too. Um, so that's all really cool stuff. I love the fact that there's so much. Like almost none of these sequences did we see in the Joss Whedon movie. That was the thing that stood out, stood out to me the most. Of, of like, like none of this looks familiar. You know, like and I, like. That's super weird. <laughs> a lot of this was... So, some of this, I should say, was in the trailers that they showed. So, like, this sequence of, um, of Victor Stone oh. playing football, for some reason, that got taken out of the movie. That was ridiculous. I don't understand how you remove that. That's how we know his humanity. Um, this is a pretty cool sequence here of the Flash uh, saving Iris from what would have been certain death. Cute. Uh yeah. I just I just. What a love mean it. cute, it, right? I feel like this trailer added so much depth and so much life to a movie that didn't feel like it could breathe. Um, I'm not saying that that means it's going to be great or it's going to be a masterpiece. But I definitely think that based on this trailer, for something that's going to be a four-hour experience, by the way. What? Yeah. That it's, gonna, it's going to... By nature of it just being longer, give the movie more substance. It's going to breathe more. It's going to have more character.
2: This is going to be the longest episode of the Comics Pals ever (laughs) when we have to review this fucking movie. (laughs) Like, It's a four-hour. So think about it, right? Usually superhero movies are like two hours and our reviews are like three hours. So this is going to be like a six-hour episode. (laughs) It's
0: going to be broken up um, almost assuredly. They're probably going to break it up into four pieces. So, like, piece one will come out one yeah and so on and so forth. That's so
2: weird, too. It is weird. It is weird. Whatever, man. We're living through unprecedented times here. You know what else is, what struck me as odd about this is that it's not in 1080. What? Mm. Like, it's like, there's, like, black bars on the side. Oh, like it's you're right. It looks like it's in, like, standard definition.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
2: And, like, you have it set to 1080. Yeah. Like,
1: if yeah. It's, a, it's like the actual just, video of it. Yeah.
2: It's just how it's oh, cut.
1: Weird. I didn't even notice that. Yeah,
0: yeah, Which is really weird. Um, I don't know, guys. I I know that it's 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 hip right now to crap on uh, Justice League, but when you look at this and you see how much footage there was that was unused, uh, it's just it's unprecedented. What movie has ever had this much footage left on the cutting room floor? It's clear this was meant to be two parts. It's clear that they were forced to reduce that into one two-hour movie. Um, Joss Whedon, you know, I, I don't know the full story. We'll probably never know the full story of what he did, but, um, he had to do a hatchet job. He had, I to mean, do this will it. make it a lot more clear about what he had to do at
2: least. Right. Cause like, we'll see how much stuff was there that isn't, you know? Yeah. Cause it doesn't, it looks like they really like,
0: you know, like those reshoots were pretty significant, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, he added all sorts of new footage. Whedon did, um, and according to Snyder, he's not using a single shot of what Whedon did. Wow! How could you? How could you make this movie right and not use a single shot of what appeared in the theatrical release as as it relates to what Joss Whedon um, put out? And it's twice as long. Twice as long. (laughs) Crazy. What the? Yeah. What the fuck? You can't tell someone make a two-parter; they make it, and then you say, "Okay, now make it one." That's and expect it to be good. That doesn't make any sense. So I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying it's going to be the greatest thing ever. I'm saying I'm hyped. I'm saying this is new footage that looks really cool, and I'm into it, and I'm ready. Release the Snyder Cut. That's
1: Release it, baby.
2: I'm I'm at the the point of of. Uh like just morbid curiosity and the fact that like i you know as soon as they announced that this was coming i resigned myself it's like well i have to watch it for the show so like it doesn't matter if i'm excited for it at this point it's just like i just want to see it to know what it is yeah it's just like what the it's like you said like this has never happened before and it's super weird and like Will it be more enjoyable? Like, will it be better? Like, I'm gonna have to rewatch the original to compare too, which is gonna Don't be an exercise <laughs> <in> torturing myself. <laughs> it's gonna I'm Maybe we'll I'm do that gonna as a stream. Oh, oh I love that idea. And we can recreate how Phil and I enjoyed that movie, which is you get drunk first, and then you just watch it and you just Reasonable. sit.
0: It's gonna be good, gonna guys.
2: Be really Superman good. said a thing and he punched a guy. Yeah, good movie.
0: <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, stop sharing here. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll see we'll see what uh, that has to bring when it releases in 2021. Um, we also got some Black Adam stuff. We talked about how Black Adam was definitely going to be shown uh, during the fandom and. Um, the Rock and co. definitely did not disappoint. Um, I'm gonna pivot to that. We got an animated uh, video teaser, which is unusual for a movie that's gonna be live action. But they did what they had to, or they did what they could, given that they haven't been able to film at all. Um, I it's yeah.
1: I no, I was just I, I thought it was okay. Like I, I think because it was animated, it was a little like odd. Um, I don't know that necessarily it like hyped me. I think that it was good. I mean the animations it, it, it's it's totally fine. Um but it just it felt like um like a comic trailer kind of where you just take like yep. PSDs it and does. stuff right. I'm like, "Oh, sick, a new Black Adam book, you know?"
2: Yeah, it's actually funny. Um when I first watched it uh it was like you know, Sean had put the, the show notes together and it said Black Adam animated teaser and I thought it was that there was an animated movie coming out that, and it happened to be narrated by The Rock and then, like, as I was watching, I was like, oh, no, this is for the real movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, it's confusing, but, like, that said, um, him on the throne looks real cool. Yeah. And I feel like this gives us a slightly better idea of how they're going to portray him. And to me, it kind of at least a little bit alleviated some of the fears that... uh, I think Sean laid out in the last episode when we talked about this, where it was kind of like, are they actually going to let him be Black Adam? Like, are they going to try to, like, make him super charming and, like, play off the fact that it's The Rock? And, like, it doesn't seem that way. Like, he looks scary for the most part. Like, he looks angry. And, like, when they um you know the voiceover like provides some context and like it sounds like he's like he says like condog needed a hero and instead they got me and like that is like black adam's energy
1: so like i don't like, think it, it sounds especially right. at this moment like like there's like soldiers at the foot of his like throne it, 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 it like yeah. it looks like he's gonna be badass and and
2: and he's like no one is ever gonna stop me right. again you know no 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 black adam That's not like a hero thing to say, right? You know, like he sounds like a bad motherfucker. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I'm into it. I think it's going to be good. um, At least in terms of what I was worried about. Um, Black Adam has a unique origin story. I think he's an interesting character. He's a compelling character. The Rock is clearly passionate. Ten years he's been attached to this character. Um, And he does talk a lot about, you know... What exactly led him to this character and why he wants to do it? During fandom, he actually did like a whole presentation where he was standing in front of a green screen and talking about, you know, the role and various different That's things cool. like that. And, you know, he said that this is not necessarily going to be uh, a hero, this isn't necessarily going to be a villain, it's going to be definitely an anti hero. A character who will evolve and change throughout his time on screen. Um, I would imagine that means over the course of multiple movies. Um, but that Black Adam's form of justice is Black Adam's justice, and that the people that he protect he protects are his people, his family, and that's what I want. That's all I want is that Black Adam is focused on his people his family in conduct he's a hero everywhere else he's not that's what I want right so I'm in
1: yeah looks cool yep
0: yeah it looks like
2: it's right
1: yeah what what is that little crystal that that when when he's floating in like space there's like a prominent purple crystal that's floating with him do you do is that an indication for anything
0: I have no idea okay if you um,
1: yeah, know listeners sure. write in or I could just be looking at something <laughs>
0: uh yeah so that was that was interesting um we got the suicide squad uh it's not a trailer it's like a, a teaser I guess um that's kind of like the black Adam thing where it's like it's
2: like a it's like a stylized like pseudo trailer yeah. kind of right
1: I, this was hype i like this a lot this is cool yeah it's very cool
2: yeah i really like the the stuff like i'm a big sucker for good motion graphics and that's this whole thing is just you know like let's take and i uh, the most iconic look of this character the one that we're the most inspired by and then kind of show the iteration of it like i don't know it's really neat like it it gave me um like kind of like uh, like Spider Verse vibes a little bit, you know, and in, in the way that it's like presenting information.
0: A fun drinking game would be to take a shot every time you see a character you don't know. Oh, All
2: right, let's go. Let's go. Uh, I'm already drunk. I'd be ossified. <laughs> <laughs> like I have not heard of like uh, I don't know seventy five percent of the people on this list. I heard of Edgess Alba.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> King Shark got a big pop. A lot of people were really, uh, yo, all really the, into yo
1: All the King Shark fans got like, all over the internet, all over Reddit, everyone was like, this was a good day for King Shark fans.
0: Dude, yo. I
2: don't know anything about King Shark, but I think he's so fucking cool looking. And I'm like, yeah, like I want to know about King Shark. What's up with King Shark? <laughs> he's a street shark, man. Look at him.
0: I'm mad Pete Davidson is in this movie. Wait,
1: what?
2: Why? <laughs> I, <laughs> Why? I don't
0: like him. I'm not a fan. Okay.
1: Yo, Maybe this will turn it
2: around.
0: This guy, for
1: you. TDK, Nathan Fillion. I love Nathan Fillion. I have no idea what TK, TKD is, TDK is, and I couldn't find it on the internet.
0: He might be a a new character. I have no clue. Okay. Um, look at my man, John Cena. Hell yeah. Fucking John Cena finally
2: playing a superhero, and he's in Suicide Squad? Like, what?
0: When is the Suicide
1: Squad going to visit Conduct?
2: My question is: How many of these motherfuckers are gonna? Oh die? That's my God. Literally
0: the same thing I was just about to say, and I think because it's half, it's got to be at least half.
1: Let's right? let, let, let's do it. Let's do like a call, yeah. like a vote as we go through. All right, he'll live. Okay, okay.
0: Start it Rick Flag will live. Rick
1: okay, Flagg. yeah. No, we're okay. good.
0: Rick Flag will live. Uh, P- uh, Michael Rooker's character to die. die. Yeah, Savant. Yeah. He'll die.
2: Savant. I think he'll die. Um, He's gonna
0: live. Javelin will die. What? Harley yeah, Quinn will too. live. Yeah. Yes. That's, of course. Um, <laughs> this guy's dog. No. man is probably the first to die. He's going to live. He dies He's in the scene, bro. Uh, so that's two. Catcher? Rat catcher. Rat catcher. She'll live. Um, She'll probably live, Idris yeah. Elba's playing he'll Bloodsport. Live. Bloodsport, he'll live. He'll live. King, sure. shark, King will shark will live. live. Yeah. There's no doubt. Come on.
2: That's five survivors right now we have. Uh,
0: Mongdao will die. Dead. Dead.
1: I thought she'd live.
0: Maybe she'll live. This guy's going to die. He's a nerd. Thinker's dead. Yeah, Thinker's dead. Probably. Um, She's going to die. She's probably going to die, yeah.
2: She's probably going to die, too. Uh, Pete Davidson, uh, Davidson.
0: if there's there's a god, (laughs) Pete Davidson will die first and quick. (laughs) I think he'll be one of the first to die. I think Nathan
2: Fillion will be one of the first to die. No, I think he's going to live.
0: I don't know, man. He's not around for a long time. He's around for a good time. Uh, Sean Gunn I think Sean Riesel Gunn lives. He'll live. Yep. Definitely. Boomerang lives. Captain yeah. Boomerang lives. Yep. Uh, <laughs> John Cena. John Cena is one of the
2: <laughs> first ones to go to. He's dead right away. Peacemaker's sure.
0: done. Um, and that's all the characters. So, obviously, Amanda Waller will live. She's not even a Suicide Squad person. So
2: we're saying like about seven of them, I think, will, yeah. is where we, we end up. And I think that. you know.
0: That makes sense to get a part two, right? Like that's, that's all yeah. you need is about seven characters. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe kill another one of them in the sequel. Yep, <laughs> add, add a few, subtract a few. You know the deal. Yeah rotate. for sure. Um, I didn't have any real feelings about it other than you know cool I guess that we finally know something about it but um, I just thought it was sick looking Yeah, like, I enjoyed watching it yeah. you know
1: yeah, I, I liked the there was like a subsequent trailer where they had um, whatchamacallit like the behind the scenes and the production I yeah. think that was a lot of fun that, that I think was popped off for me really really well.
2: I mean I think this movie's gonna yeah. kick ass frankly like James Gunn is a really good writer and a director like there's all there's every reason to believe that this will be great honestly yeah like him writing and directing and with this cast like even if a bunch of them are mostly just cameos and they get picked off right away like you've got an all-star list of talent here it would be hard for them to fuck it up
1: man I, i can't wait for my dude polka dot man to become a tier superhero
2: yo like i'm here for it like if i like if anyone can make the world care about Polkadot Man, it's probably James Gunn. So let's go for it, I guess.
0: So it wasn't all movies at Fandome. We did have, you know, a couple of comic book things. Uh, one of them was the Milestone revival. Uh, they are going to be dropping new Milestone content starting in February. Uh, we? Hype. Sorry? Hype. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got announcements about a new Static Shock book. Yep. Now, that's the plus. That's the one. <laughs> uh, the minus is that it's digital first. Woo! Oh. That is kind of a bummer. Yeah. I, I was afraid of this. I was afraid that the milestone content would be relegated to digital. Um... I really don't see how I really don't see how this is the way to reintroduce Milestone. You want it in front of the most eyes as possible. You want people being able to go to stores and buy static shock. There's people that are excited about this, that have been looking forward to this. You know, you talk about ease of access. That's all that I feel like Jim Lee ever says anymore. Where's the ease of access in making it digital first? Release it on both platforms. Yeah, I think there's gonna
2: be two static books. You got to imagine one of them's coming physically. Oh, uh,
0: it's gonna be released as a as a graphic novel. Oh, even better! Damn, this is appealing to anything that Marco loves. I don't know that that's a bad
2: idea. That's fine. The, I, yeah, I think that's fine. Um, is it like a all ages book or is it like? A regular, like adult, um, not adult, but you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, it like, it
0: based on the the announcement, it appears like it'll be you know a re- a regular quote unquote book. Okay,
2: because um, if there was two and one of them was like a more kid oriented book, I'd be like, that's a play that makes sense to me. Yeah,
0: that would be that would be sure. fine. And I, you know, I think Static is a character that has appealed to a lot of of, of kids, uh, so hopefully they do accommodate that in some way. Um, I would I would love that. They did, they did talk about different projects that are going to be coming. Like a, There's going to be a, a, a sampler, a 17-page sampler, yeah. um, that will be released on September 12th, which, of course, is when uh, the second Fandom event takes place. Um, it's going to have Greg Pak, uh, Reginald Hudlin, who's going to be re- writing the graphic novel. Um, it's going to have a ton of different artists, including Jim Lee, of course. Uh, they're also going to be putting out all of the Milestone content, or I should say some of the Milestone content uh, from the Milestone Comics era digitally. Oh. Um, they are out of print books. So instead of putting them back into print, they will release them digitally. And they did make some vague uh, announcement about potential movies down the road. So that's Yeah, I saw yeah. um I saw that there was uh like a couple articles about
2: how they had talked about like specifically a static movie um and that that was something that they're like actively looking into right now. Um which is obviously really cool. Um you know, I think particularly with the news that these books are going to be digital first, like I think that definitely does hurt um the chances of like traditional comics fans like ad- ad- adopting them right away. Uh but I think a movie or like a return for the animated series or something like that is like, to, you know, obviously we want there to be a good static comic. But I think the 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 way to make that character like hit in a mainstream way is one of those things, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I've i made no bones about it that it's like, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever actually read a static book. Like I've read books where he was in them. But like my exposure to the character comes from the cartoon. Um I watch that shit every Saturday, so I I'm gonna pick up the Static book for sure. I'm gonna buy it digitally because I want I want to Static to succeed and I want them to see that there's interest. Um, but I am actually probably more excited by the idea of them like actually getting a fucking movie or something off the ground because like that's what's gonna cement the character. Yeah, yep. you know, and like that's what I want for Static is like I want Static to have you know his uh his black panther moment right and like be a character that like you know young kids and teenagers can can like get into and like you know be their fucking like peter parker analog kind of thing you know because like he's got that appeal you know like he's a young cool high school kid like the whole world of dakota that they built out and everything with the bang babies and with like richie and all that stuff like um that shit is rich. Like, there's a lot there to mine, you know? Um, and even some of the, like, more minor characters, like uh, like Rubber Band Man and everything, and, like, you know, um, I don't know. Like, I just – I have such a soft spot for for that show because I think they really – they nailed it, you know? And they, they nailed the teenage superhero thing. So, like, fucking, like, great. The legal stuff's aside. We're back. Like, Let's nail it like let's get a spider verse for static man like that's that's what that character needs I think
3: yeah
1: the uh, th- that it's gonna be digital first I think is interesting considering that that was sort of the the announcement that they made and like the promise that they're trying to stick to um but uh, Sean does that mean that digital first like it'll be releasing first on digital and then at some point or that there is a scheduled release for print afterwards. Exactly. I
0: didn't see a, an announcement of, like, a scheduled release, but I, I can't imagine, uh, based on the language, right, that it will never come out or that they don't have a plan to release it physically. I would imagine that that would be something that would come down the road. And DC has done that a lot, and I would say they've been pretty good about it. Um, but for me, as someone as someone who keeps close to announcements when they're made, right? Um, When this book comes out, the announcement will be it's out digitally. Then it will not be talked about anymore unless it's so amazing that people just can't shut up about it. And then maybe whether it's a month later or two months later, whatever it is, there will not be that same excitement level for the physical release. And I get lost a lot when that happens on DC books. I have never bought a book by DC that was released first digitally. It's never happened. Hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah. I- do, do you think that you will for these? Like, or at least like maybe any of them?
0: Um, I will for the first issue of Static Shock because, like you, I want it to succeed but i don't want it to succeed bad enough that i'll buy it digitally i'll i'll wait for the That's physical legit. and you know but you feel like you're you're good for
2: that like you're going to like come for that when it comes physically I, because you care about static
0: i will my concern yeah. is for other people who might get lost in the shuffle of the news, the, the you you get one every time you reannounce something after the first time it's less hot. So they're gonna announce this. It's gonna be digital first. People who don't buy digital are gonna be like, okay, whatever. And then when they announce it again, those same people might say, eh, I don't know if I care anymore. It might get reviews that are unfavorable, and then they're like, ah, why would I buy this now? You know, who knows? Yeah, that's that's legit. Um, I, I I think I'm less concerned
2: about that for static specifically because i think static is a character that like is recognizable at least to like our generation it's all the other characters where i'm like i don't even know their fucking names like you want to like you want to get that out in front of people
0: yeah yeah i think i think the way to do it was to release the line you know to have you know four or five books within the first yep. two months digital and physical with a graphic novel on the way and the sampler I think you get people hyped. You catch them. You hook them. Because if you piecemeal it, then people are are less excited. They have more room to say, I don't know if I need this character. But if you release, if you have four books out at once and they're all hot and everyone's talking about it, then you feel more inclined to want to buy them all. So that's my opinion. DC knows more than me. You would think. So um, you know whatever they choose to do, I'm excited regardless, and I want this to work.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Dude, I I just want, I want Static to have that Miles Morales appeal so bad. I really do. Yeah. Like, phew, I feel like he's
0: so primed for it. I agree. Um, we did get a couple more announcements worth talking about, but we're not really going to dive into them. We did get the name of Shazam 2. It's Shazam Fury of the Gods. Uh, they teased a cameo during the panel. I would imagine that cameo will be Black Adam. So, cool. Um, And then we got confirmation, actually, of something that we talked about last week on the show, which was what is happening with the promised John Ridley Batman story. We now know that it is happening um, and that it will feature a uh, person of color um, under the cowl, of course. Uh, That would be lucius fox or i'm sorry um luke's son his son yeah luke Luke. fox there you go thank you i always forget his son's name um so cool you know we we already know how we feel we've talked about that ad nauseum (sighs) yeah cool to see that we got confirmation of like what's gonna happen and like
2: you know let's okay Good. Put the book out. I want to read it. Exactly. At this point.
0: <laughs> uh, interesting wrinkle to chew on for you guys at home is if this book is coming out and it was originally supposed to be tethered to 5G, is it? Is 5G still coming or will this be an Elseworlds slash Black Label joint? How do they handle that? Because obviously if Bruce Wayne is not Batman in this book, what happened to Bruce Wayne?
2: I think that's the easiest way to salvage if they think the ideas are cool, but they don't want to like fuck with the main, you know, the main line shit. Like, yeah, just make it its own. Whether it's like a side universe or whatever, if it's just this one Elseworld story that they're going to keep to because they think the Luke Fox Batman idea has legs. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Worked for Jim Gordon's daughter, so why not, right? Like, <laughs>
0: fair enough. Uh, on the Marvel side of things DC Fandom aside New Mutants came out As it turns out it is a real movie Woo uh, And I don't believe apparently it Apparently not that good What
3: I heard mixed <laughs> results at best
2: Yeah I haven't heard anyone say that it's great but not terrible
1: I, Okay. All I said was not that good Yeah Not that good implies bad um, Sean No no,
2: no, it implies that it's not that good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Batman v Superman's not that good. No, that's bad. Uh, whatever.
2: I would say I would say it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, um, we're
2: arguing the same shit, really. <laughs>
0: So, New Mutants is out and critics are lambasting it, partially for legit reasons, partially for not. Uh, Some people. Partially for coming out. (laughs) Right. Some people are mad that it's out. They're mad with Disney and boycotting the film because they feel that Disney has not provided them with safe methods of watching the film. Um, Be that as it may, I don't think that should be a slight against the movie itself. Um, But. You know, here on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it's not fa- uh, it's not faring particularly well. Um, it's got a twenty nine percent. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was ahead. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, we didn't do the guess. Yeah,
0: my bad. Oh, uh,
2: I didn't look at its. I didn't look at its ratings right. specifically because I wanted
1: to. All
0: right. Well, you know, twenty nine percent something. I didn't say which. Fair. So why don't you guys go ahead then?
1: That's that's the critic and the viewer is 54 alright okay
2: um I'm gonna agree with you that's the critic it's gotta be because you led with that and I'm gonna say the fan response is like so. is it sub 54 it could be that's so aggressive I'm gonna say it's in the 60s let's say 62
0: I don't know all right, so you guys are right, of course, that the critic score is a twenty-nine. Um, that's fucking rough. <laughs> but the audience score is only a fifty-two. <laughs> Woo! Wow,
2: is that what oh, you said? No, I said fifty-four. Fifty-two. Damn, we both lost. Oh, you? Yeah, br- yeah, you, you Damn. busted. Damn. too high.
0: Yep. Uh, I was the closest. God, loser. that's fucking rough, man. Fifty-two. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, what I have read about it is that it is very uh, average. That. The script is a little bit half cocked, um, but the performances are strong. That's good. Um, a lot of people upset about various different elements of it, how they changed characters for the film. Uh, Scott Mendelson, who is a critic, said that it is the worst X Men movie ever. Okay. Um. Maisie Williams actually uh, had a, a slick clack, clap back and she said sounds like a must see get your tickets now.
3: <laughs>
2: that shit fucking killed me. I was like yo that is hilarious. What a re- like she fucking shared a link to the review too. Like <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome.
0: Savage. It's
2: fucking great.
0: Absolutely savage. Um Probably more disappointing than that is the way that uh, Bob McLeod feels about it. Uh, this broke my heart. Yeah. Um, so he actually spoke out. I believe it was on Facebook. Yeah, it was on Facebook. And he had a lot of you know, negative things to say. He said, I was very excited when I heard they were making a new mutants movie. I thought making it into a horror movie was perhaps an interesting idea, but not at all how the characters should be introduced to the public at large, but Hey, my characters in a movie, I never would have thought that would actually happen. Um, And then he actually heard from people who saw the movie and he made another post that changed his mind. He said, "Um, Mm -hmm. I was disappointed when they didn't give Danny braids. Although I like blue hunt I was disappointed when uh, Rain wasn't a redhead with spiky hair, although I adore Maisie Williams. I was disappointed that Sam isn't tall and gawky, although I do like Charlie Heaton. But I mainly was very disappointed that Roberto isn't short and dark-skinned. Yet another example of Hollywood whitewashing. There's just no excuse. So basically, Josh Boone erased everything I contributed to the way the characters look. And now, the movie has come out at last, and apparently they've credited someone named Bob MacLeod... M-A-C-L-E-O-D as co-creator. They couldn't even be bothered to check the spelling of my name sometime in the last three years, and that cannot be fixed. That will be on the movie forever. I think I'm done with this movie. So, very unfortunate. I can only imagine what it's like for a creator of his stature, who of course is older now and created a lot of the things, so much everything he created before the time of these big major movies. The only thing you have to look forward to when these characters get used like that in these movies is your credit. Um, and, of course, to see them on, on the big screen. And so for everything but the name of the characters to be accurate, for your your name to be wrong even, is just like, that's, I mean, that's awful. That's truly it's awful. It's a slap in the face. Yeah. You
2: know? Yeah, it sucks. Um. And, you know, like, obviously you don't want this to happen to any creator, but, like, you know, I know we we interviewed Bob uh, two years ago at Wizard World 2018, uh, which you can go check out on our YouTube channel. Phil uh, got to meet with him, and um, we've run into him a few times since, and he's always been, like, very, very, you know, yeah. kind yeah. to really us. Nice and, like guy. doesn't seem like a guy who, like, thinks of himself as, like, a big deal, you know? Um, So just, like, to see him post this and, like, how, like, deflated he seemed it's just like that's ah, a that's a bummer man like he he deserves more respect than that for his contributions
1: yeah i i think specifically the name part i mean i i can understand how he can be how he's upset and why he's upset about the way that they've portrayed the characters but i mean um specifically not at, like at least crediting him that's just shitty
2: yeah 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 and you know like I think he was okay with a certain amount of the changes, yeah. right? Like he's like, yeah, like I wanted Danny to have braids, but her not having braids isn't the end of the world, right? But like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a. Uh, it's just, it's just shitty. It's shitty to see somebody who is so important to the creation of these characters like feel like he was disrespected. Yeah, you know, like, his contributions weren't weren't honored, and that's like that's horrible
1: kudos to somebody named macleod at least
0: <laughs> much respect <Yeah. laughs>
2: to bob macleod oh look boy. up the guy's fucking name people
0: why don't we uh why don't we get into these reviews how about that let's do it let's do it let's talk about x-men yes! number 11 yeah. all right so x-men 11 i think you know we've we've been on board with x-men since day one, the book's been, you know, pretty good. There were a couple of weird issues with the old ladies. Um, but by and what large. are they coming back? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Um, <laughs> by and large, it's been a strong series. And uh, for me, this issue did not disappoint. This is, of course, an Empire tie-in uh, with Jonathan Hickman writing. new Yu on art. And uh, actually, a creator that I'm unfamiliar with, Um, that's weird. On the cover, uh, it's credited as someone with the last name Barreto. But within the actual book itself, it's Sonny Go for on colors. So I'm not sure what that's about. But um, that being said, what did you guys think of the issue? This is the
2: most I've cared about Empire, <laughs> period. <laughs> like at all. Did Did you um, see what the X Men did with the Empire? Fucked them up. That's for sure. <laughs> and I feel like this. Um, this and like obviously the last issue was like that too. Um, and it's funny because I kind of hadn't thought about that too much, you know, like until they really got to it. Where of like, oh right, they're on the moon. Like, yeah, the X-Men are going to be all over this shit, you know? And, like, obviously there's the whole plant aspect with Krakoa and everything. So it's, like, you can see how they would brush up against each other. But just, like, you know, this being, okay, there's aliens attacking Krakoa. Like, let's see how how the, the mutant nation responds. Um, that is by far the most interesting piece of action that I feel like has come from all of this. You
1: know. And I think particularly what you were saying about the the nation is like I I like that he always puts it into perspective of like this is how the nation thinks about it. This is how the people on the ground within the actual um, society react to it because it opens up with um, I don't know who this the that first person is, um, but it, he, he's in front of like oh. yeah
0: you're you're, to- you're talking about um, the the the. The black and white character or
1: the, the the very very first like um oh the kids no, no the like the very oh sorry not the very first page the um like right after the the credits
0: oh okay like, oh that's so, uh after the soft that's page.
1: exodus so he, he is telling like the story he's not necessarily um like we're not going like beat for beat on the action we're being told via a story and i i like that aspect because he's communicating some sort of history to these younger mutants and and providing like the context for um you know how they should be acting and how they should react to certain things and, and i think it's like the legend of Man right Man. right I, I, that's the part that i feel like he's able that hickman's able to do really really well across a number of these issues that i feel for me connects the best because that, that that's what I that's what I personally enjoy about um the X-Men and like the direction he's been taking it, at least is like he's talking about the society. And this is how the society is thinking and reacting and looking at it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I I, I think it's it's interesting because Exodus is a character who is traditionally like a, as far as I know him anyways, a Magneto. Um Zealot, I guess. Oh really? Yeah. Um he really, really, really loves Magneto. He actually was one of his lieutenants on Asteroid M. Oh. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I wasn't surprised to see him in this role. I was actually happy to see him. Um and it was really cool that he got a spotlight. Uh, you know, a character who really doesn't often get that. He's super powerful, but he just doesn't They never really, like, touch on him too much. Um, But seeing Magneto portrayed this way, first of all, it's like a turn. It's like we know that he is heroic right now. But to present him in that light, it's like as they are building up the mythos of what mutants are for the mutant kids, he'll be that hero. He'll be that savior for them. Um, which will be the opposite of the way that humans perceive Magneto yep, yep. for all time. Right,
2: yeah. And and I feel like given the logical endpoint of Krakoa right now, like how could you not think of him as as Mutandom's greatest hero? Mm-hmm. You know, like even greater than Charles. Like, yeah, maybe Charles is, is their leader, but like Magneto's been fighting the good fight for as long as there's been a fight to fight.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So... um, I I really loved that angle of this of this issue. I thought that was really cool, and Hickman's been doing that a lot. There's been a lot of of focus on Magneto throughout the House and Powers era um, to 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 build him into that character. It's a role that he's well suited for, and you know you mentioned the fact that he's been fighting the fight. Like it 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 further hammers home the fact that they're aligned now. This is This is what it is now, you know? Um, And Magneto, it it feels like he's borderline enjoying himself, you know? Um, Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, like, he's, like – I feel like you can totally take that away from it, right? Because, like, one of the things that stuck out to me the most about this is, like, how, um, like, casual and sarcastic he is about the whole thing. You know, like, he fights their leader and he's, like – you know, he's, like, like, I've already beaten you, you know? And, like, he just – takes him out like it's no big deal or like the part where um, he orchestrates the whole plan with magma and Iceman. And then Iceman's like, oh, yeah, like I can do it. No problem. But it might be a little bit a little brittle, though. And then he goes broken metal with sharp edges. Whatever will I do with that? And it's <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah, he's just he's just like gliding in. and He's like, got it. No big deal. And uh, it just makes him. I don't know, like he, he feels larger than life in hickman's run you know like and like you believe of the idea of him as like of of one of mutants the mutants greatest heroes and like of this you know the the master of magnetism all that stuff it's like yeah man of course like magneto's the guy you know and i um i've really loved his portrayal throughout Hawkspox and like i don't know i've I've always liked Magneto, and I think like he works as a more, you know, a more villainous villain, I guess. But like, I much prefer the interpretation of him as like a complex man with complex morals. Yep. You know, um, and like I guess kind of analogous to like the way that we talked about like Black Adam, right? Where it's like in Krakoa, Magneto's a hero. Everywhere else, he's not. It's like, oh well, that's all that matters, really. Like you know, like he's he's a champion of his people.
0: Exactly. Yep. and the the comics have not all the way allowed Magneto to be portrayed that way. Um, I guess it's the extremes that are the issue, but that's what makes Magneto interesting, um, or has in the past. Now he's accepted a certain amount of rules. Um, but he can do that because mutants are united. Back when he first got started, mutants were scattered and they were being picked off, you know. Um, and now fighting amongst themselves, fighting amongst themselves, um, hiding in shadows, Morlocks and things like that. Now that they're united, it's like, well, he doesn't have to, you know, bring nukes. You know, he doesn't have to to, to turn nukes on America. Mutants are nukes. And no one's going to screw with them now that they're aligned. So there's no point in doing all that. But you can see the borderline like glee he gets out of being able to just kind of like unleash not only himself, not only his powers, but the powers of other mutants. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I thought that the the uh, infographic or not infographic, but like the that one what page, do we call that these like one
1: pager,
2: like actually, yeah.
0: the inserts, whatever. Yeah, yeah the data sheets. Um, there was it was really cool and interesting. They were talking about the ways that you can combine the powers of mutants, particularly uh omega level mutants, to have you know powerful effects. They did it with the five, and now they're like, Well, how does this work in combat? And uh you they used Magneto as the baseline and how many different possibilities there were, and they determined that there's 40, right? And well, here we see one of those potential combinations magneto Iceman, and magma and what they could do together and i just love that that's the kind of thing that you know when i was a kid playing with toys right i used to try to figure out like well how cool would it be if this one and that one and that's always been one of the cooler elements of the x-men the fastball special right Mm -hmm. we always loved that um and this is now another example of that kind of thing, what the X-Men can do when they're unified. Um, yeah. I uh, I loved you, – because you said, like, how much, like, fun it seems like he's having, like,
2: being able to, to uh, deal with that. And I loved the the dialogue between him and Magma where she's like, I'll do my best, sir, but no promises. I'm very excited about the possibilities here. And he goes, as am I, child. <laughs> and I'm just like – and, like, I believe that, right? Uh-huh. Like, I believe that, like, you know, I don't um, – I feel like with this portrayal, like, it very much cements this idea in my mind of that it's, like, I don't even think that, like, Magne- like he doesn't even care about, like, hating humans, you know? Like, it's, like, they were always, like, uh, uh, an obstacle to what his goal was, and now that his goal is achieved, like, he just wants to see mutant culture thrive, yeah. and he wants to see a young generation of mutants live unafraid and, like, get to, like, enjoy the fruits of his fight. You know, it's like it's not even about him, you know, like or or what he gets out of it. Like it's about them. It's about that next generation and like what their freedom means and like the fact that him and his disciples and his pupils and his acolytes and all these people that believed in him and and his mission or believed in Charles and Charles's mission um, that they didn't even get to enjoy. You know, um, but like their children will, their grandchildren will. And like, that's what it, that's what the fight means for him, you know? And like, I don't know, like I just, I love that portrayal. It's the same reason that I feel like Apocalypse is so interesting right now. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, it's a warrior who gets to put down his blade, you know? And like, well, what does that mean for him? Right. That's,
1: th- that's exactly exemplified in that, in that opening with Exodus. Uh, I just found the, the panel that I really liked. It was um, the one kid he's like, then what can we do? And he responds with, you, all of you, will grow and play and live and love as you should. Leave progress to us. You're in good hands. And, like, that is everything that any of these people have wanted. And now that they have it, Mm -hmm. they're just playing with it.
0: That's a really good point. Mutant children have never been. So, in, in real life, right, like, human children don't. Well, I should say American children, because and, and you know Western children don't necessarily have to fear war. They don't have to fear the enemies of their country because there's a military, there's an army that's going to take care of that. Yeah, um, you know, other people put their lives on the line so that we don't have to worry about that as children. Um, and mutant children never, ever, ever could have had that type of security. Obviously, the ones who have abilities that don't manifest until they're a little bit older or the ones who can hide their mutation they don't necessarily have to worry about that but um a lot do and if you look at some of the kids he's talking to they do um but now they have that protection and this book does talk about the fact that there are a lot of mutants that that are on Krakoa who do not know how to use their powers offensively they don't have training they're not skilled and like more importantly they don't want them to right they don't want them to have to yeah and i thought that was
2: really interesting of like we're not they uh they said like we're actively not trying to have a militaristic environment where everyone's a soldier right and we're we're like it's that whole idea of like that children should be able to sleep at night right like and that like that's what they're fighting for And I feel like it's cool because I think that's a huge thing where you made the point earlier of, like, how part of the problem with, like, humanizing Magneto is the lengths that he's been willing to go in the past. Um, Like, Magneto's a terrorist, right? But what's the difference between a terrorist and a freedom fighter? Being on the winning side. Um, And now they are the winning side. And I think you can justify or, or maybe not justify but at least contextualize a lot of the actions of mutants that were not necessarily evil. Um, but who were antagonistic in a violent way towards humans. Um, and it it lets you put them in a light where, like, they are not necessarily, like, you know, uh, quote-unquote heroes in the traditional sense. But I think all the X-Men have been pushed away from that now because the rules that they're playing by aren't the same, you know? Like, they're not treated the same way as people. So, like, why should they try to, like... Play ball or play by by our rules, right? Like fuck that, you know. Like they're they're trying to preserve a future for for children, and like I think as soon as you look at it through that lens, like it makes it makes so many of their actions like different. And I, that's one of the things that's been so cool about Hoxbox is, and this age of the X Men is that like Hickman and company are like interested in in talking about kind of the unsavory reality of like politics and running a country and like what it means to provide that level of security uh to your people, you know, that like when you like you use the example of America, right? For all the um the ills and evils of our country and our government and our military, of which there are many, um those Some of those things are necessary on some level to have the level of national security and comfort that the average American enjoys, right? And I'm not here to make a a commentary about that or anything, right? But like the fact that the book is interested in having that dialogue, that they have to have those things, they have to have those conversations, they have to have a group of people that think about how to weaponize the 2% of them that are willing to fight um, is real. You know, like that's a realistic thing that a mutant nation would consider, would have to grapple with, and like that's what makes these books so fucking satisfying, right? And it's like the moments like this of uh, you said it was his name's Exodus, right? Of Exodus at the fire with these children is the the human look at those things of not human, but you know what I mean, like the 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 like pathetic, I guess, more moralistic looking of those things of like, yeah, I mean like x-force kills people under the shadow of night so that these kids can sit around this campfire and you know and and go to bed soundly right and like that shit is fucking really cool like that's that's such a unique look at the x-men and it's been such a joy
1: the um the the only like other thing i i want to call out for like the mutant training was um uh, <clears throat> like like sitting there and like reading that and then having thought about it the they they're trying to be non-militaristic, but I mean the X Men were essentially that outfit, right? They were they were the original group meant to harness their powers in order to sure stop crime or like bring about a better light to uh, for mutants. But they were an organized, there was they were a type of organized group, not necessarily like a militia, but they were militaristic in that sense. And I, I just thought that like an, an irony to especially considering where like typically on the side of Xavier's point and he's the one who did that versus Magneto sort of going it alone later he gets the brotherhood but at the uh, on the onset it's just Magneto fighting for what he believes to be the the right way to approach this
0: I think that's a really interesting point uh, to mention because um, I think about like the difference between the Teen Titans, right, and the original X-Men. They're both young groups of people. No one ever talks about the Teen Titans as militarized or as um, you know, they don't they don't mention like child soldiers or any no one no one ever yeah. that's not the narrative around those characters. And the reason is because of the reason why the X-Men exist. They don't exist to be fun-loving teens who have these powers and want to you know, save the world. They exist because of a specific need. The Teen Titans don't actually have to exist, right? Like the, the Justice League is enough for the problems of Earth. Um, yeah, they're basically just like adventurers, yeah. you
2: know, like kind of. It's like, yeah, they're doing this because they can, and they they're heroes, and they want to help people, and they want to be the next generation of heroes. Great, right? But the X Men are doing it out of
0: survival. They, it's you know, like it's a need. Uh, without the X Men an uncountable number of mutants die or never get to be born, or whatever the case may be, they're enslaved, however you want to look at it. And this is a this is a responsibility that's bestowed on these on these uh, these kids, actually, these children. And so you know, I think that that is something that has to recontextualize. When you look at it like that, the way that you see characters like Professor Xavier, who people often malign for using kids in this way, but I feel like, you know, this is not like a wider picture look at the X-Men, but we're in this now. Um, He's fulfilling a need,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and there was no other way to do this. There was no other way in his mind. Look, Magneto was not a potential ally. Magneto wants humans dead, right? Right. Um, So Xavier did what he could with what he knew and what he had access to, and I think there's a lot of other things you can take him to task for. But the creation of the X Men and the militarization of these young people, when you especially look at this era now that we're living in with with these characters, you he had to do what he had to do.
2: And he, you know, and again, like there are a lot of ills you can levy at the guy, but he also saved a lot of their lives, right? Like someone like like Hank or Kurt like would not be able to live in human society, right? Like the X-Men gave so many of these, you know, people, um, and in, in a lot of cases, like literal refugees too, um, a home and a place to belong. And like, yeah, it's a militaristic organization, but like, these are people who are like fighting for their right to exist. And like, you can't uh, yeah you know obviously there's so many real world parallels to the struggle of the X-Men but like that's the that's the thing right that's the dialogue that you have with the X-Men is that like yeah like they're child soldiers but like why did they need to be
0: some things are bigger than morality Some some situations are so bad that moralizing doesn't do anything to fix the actual issue and i think when you look at the mutants and you look at their struggle and what they've got to do um that's that it is what it is so um that being said especially when you try to moralize through the lens of
2: our world and our society which in like by its
0: nature rejects them and their existence Exactly. There's just there's just no way you can't. There, there is no. It just doesn't work. Looking at it like that, it just it just doesn't. Um, but this issue also featured a lot of really kick ass art. So uh, the X Men are are fighting the plant creatures um, from Empire. They are invading Earth. They've taken a particular interest in Krakoa and what's going on over there. And this book really just gives the Neil you the opportunity to flex his muscles and showcase the X-Men kicking ass. The cool thing also is that they don't have to hold back because these aren't human beings. Their rules and their laws do not apply to these creatures. And so they just shit on them. Uh, We do see Toad die, which kind of sucks. But of course, he'll be back. Um and then Magneto handles business when he drops the satellites on that one dude. The, the elite. fucking Rex shop, yeah. dude. It's rad. Yeah, <laughs> there are so many awesome artistic moments in this book. Uh, when Magneto is floating over towards that um, that that guy that I'm referencing, um, he's his his face is blacked out. I really love that effect in comics. I think it's so effective when you use the shadow especially with magneto magneto yep um because his helmet you know the look right like you it's so iconic that you don't need to there doesn't need to be a face there for you to know it's magneto um it, like it, it makes him look like fucking menacing as shit
2: yeah. you know like him just floating down like slowly when you can't see his face is like it's like it's one of the most iconic images in, in superhero comics yeah you know like ah so powerful
0: yeah Absolutely, um, and yeah, and I and I think Linil Yu is a tremendous artist. I've been singing his praises uh, every single time he's. I mean, he's drawn almost every issue of his book, and I feel like he's knocked it out of the park all the way around. Um, but there have been times where he's had to hold back. Getting to see Magneto just put pieces of metal. What like how do you even describe what those are like (laughs) just shards of fucking iron yeah just going right (laughs) through these bodies i just i don't know i just think it's cool i think this whole issue looks awesome um i love the three helmets that they showed yeah it's almost like you know when you pick your character at marvel versus capcom and you got the different choices for magneto's armor i feel like he's just sitting there like Man, I know I'm about to wreck shit. Which of these iconic looks do I want to use? The classic, yeah, you know, like <laughs> and like I feel like you, we've like we barely see him in this armor
2: anymore. Like he's always wearing the yep, white armor yeah. these days. So it's like fuck it's yeah, probably bro. his like battle like,
1: armor or something.
3: Yeah,
2: back in fucking black, you know, like <laughs> I don't know, and like just the the last uh, page is fucking. I want I like. You know how you can like buy the actual art pages. Like I would love to own this page specifically of uh yes Magneto and he is mutant and just that shot of him and then just like you know uh, five of the five or six of the most iconic X Men just fucking wrecking shop like so cool such great work too like the the definition on Wolverine's neck yeah muscles are like insane. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yep. And and I love Jean Grey right there. Wow, shocking. Um but like <laughs> bathed in the pink. Like she's just like re- you know cuz her powers are not physical in the sense that like you know she's not shooting a blast out of her eyes, but like you know that whoever's on the receiving end of her looking that angry and like she's putting that much effort into whatever she's doing is getting shredded right now. Like I just, just thriving. Yep. Yep. <laughs> It's beautiful stuff. And the
2: the, the shot of, of Kurt in the foreground is really cool, too, to, like, frame the page, you know? Like, and in, in the same way that you have the the Kurtati that Cyclops is hitting in the foreground. Like, it, it gives uh, so much depth to that actual moment, you know? Like, you can, like, feel the layers of it, you know? Yeah.
0: There's probably not enough space on the page, but I was going to say missed opportunity to not have him, Nightcrawler, kicking ass all over the background as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I could see why they didn't choose that. But yeah, all around, great issue. Um, Not really, like, nothing happened per se. It's just cool to watch the X-Men kick ass. I mean, we talked about this before. I actually
2: think those are generally the best issues of this book. Are the ones that aren't actively trying to, like, push the story along. They're just, like, like a team that fucking gets the X-Men. And has a cool, unique take on, like, what they are and what they should be. And it's just, like, this is just kind of a character study. But it's, like, rather than being a study about Magneto, it's about what does Magneto mean to his people? And, like, that's the shit I'm here for, man. Like, that's what I like about Hox Pox and, and this whole age of the X-Men, you know? Um, my favorite issue so far is still the one where they go and talk to the UN.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know? That was wild.
2: That was absolutely Um, wild. And I I think this is right up there with it in terms of like, yeah, maybe you can't like in bullets say that something interesting happened. But like the content here is like, this is what I'm here for. Like, this is what Hickman is bringing to the table with the X-Men right now, you know?
0: So um, unless you guys have more to add, I think we can talk about three jokers.
2: The shit kicks ass. Everyone should be reading
0: X-Men. That's it. (laughs) X-Men slaps. So, Three Jokers, the five or so years gestating book uh, by <laughs> Johns, Jason Fabok, and Brad Anderson. Can you believe that this and New Mutants came out in, like, the same week? That's crazy, like, what the,
2: yeah. What the fuck? It is crazy. <laughs> like,
0: everything is being... They're getting everything out now before the world ends. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> we gotta close some loops here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, In this issue, John's... And Faebuck utilize um, a very similar grid styling to what was used in uh, Doomsday Clock. And I would say that it is used to similar effect. Um, it, It really is a powerful tool in the right hands. If you go to the page, it's page 11, the page of the sequence where Bruce's parents are being murdered and they come out of the, uh, the movie and everything else. I, I talk about this sometimes. One of the most powerful things that only comic books can do is um, show you the, the movement of characters and the passage of time through panels allowing your mind to fill in the blanks you don't have to see absolutely every single thing that happens in order to understand how they get from point a to point b sometimes in comics uh creators will struggle with that and you will be like wait how did this how did they get from here to there um but the most effective creators understand how to do that the grid allows you to do that better than anything because of the fact that your eyes are easily, seamlessly going from the left to the middle to the right, down to the middle to the right. And you can see that. You can feel like there are mere seconds in between each of these panels. And it's so effectively done. Um, so kudos to the, to the creative team just on that page alone. And there are so many brilliant pages the nine panel grid is all throughout this book and when it breaks down it's so effective and such an important um uh page when they, when they kind of like completely skew away from it the first time that i noticed when was was the uh the the full page spread of the joker sitting there contemplating uh there's just so many great moments and so many powerful sequences what did you guys think about this issue? I thought it was brilliant. I have so much more to say, but go ahead.
2: I was pleasantly surprised yeah. by this issue.
0: Um, I
2: It's not to say that I went in expecting it to be bad because obviously like Jeff Johns is you know, often really good. Um, and I, I would say he's a writer who I've gotten more familiar with over the last probably year or so um and i've more often than not found his work to be like at the worst serviceable and at the best like well ab- like well above you know um where i'd call good right so i i didn't go into this expecting to hate it but i also like the premise alone is something that i'm like mm, i don't know that i like the idea of that like sure it might make sense but do I want three jokers? Like, you know, like I, I definitely have a little bit of joker fatigue sometimes, you know? Um, and I think the fact that it's been drawn out for so long, it's it's just a thing that like I didn't go into with a lot of hype or high expectation. It was just like, okay, this is happening this week. Let's see what it is. Um, and to come into it and to find a thing that felt very tight, very clean, Very, uh, I don't know, like, it feels like it's bigger in scope than I guess I expected it to be, but not in a way that feels, like, exhausting or feels like the way that I feel about Empire, frankly. Um, It did feel more like like the things I liked about Doomsday Clock of, like, yeah, like, this is, like, it's long, but it's brisk. You know like it's it's a longer than average issue, but like you you get through it really quickly because it communicates its ideas so clearly and you get in the rhythm of it very quickly and um I Lord knows I'm a sucker for the nine panel grid uh but I'm also a sucker for a book that makes really good use of the nine panel grid, but then is like, well, here's an eight panel, here's a seven panel, and like you it the pacing still feels the same it still feels like a nine panel but it it um it draws attention to bigger moments and it it uh it allows like it allows you room to breathe sometimes too like the 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 moment where batman's at the scene and then batgirl shows up and she it's the middle of the page and that's the one not small nine panel and it's the whole grid like it it makes that moment feel like oh like Batgirl arrived like that's cool like that you know what I mean like and it signals those things to you in like non-verbal ways and like uh Sean you always are are one to call out how how good it is when there's a book where you could take the dialogue away and still get it and when you look at how many of these pages have no dialogue (laughs) at all and how some those are some of the stronger beats like when Alfred is dressing Bruce's wounds and it's like here's how he got all these scars you know and like uh, that is a really great great Batman moment and that would be good anywhere that would be good in in Detective Comics 1000 as like a three page anthology kind of yeah. thing like of just like here's Batman like this is a thing about Batman that you need to know and it says something about him um, without shoving that in your face and that's not even the point of the book right like it's just, it's just good character writing um, so that's the that's the kind of shit that I feel like Jeff Johns brings to the table when he's firing on all cylinders. Um, and this as an issue one uh, feels really good. I think because it, it it, uh, it reminds me of the exact opposite um, dialogue that we've been having around strange adventures where you're like, well, it's only an issue one. Eh, it's only issue two. It's only issue three. It's like, well, this was issue one and we covered up, fucking lot of ground and laid a lot of threads that I'm genuinely interested in. Um, So that's like, that's the best you can hope for for an issue one, right? Proof of concept? Nailed. Deeply satisfying art? Nailed. Satisfying as a issue? Yes. And wa- I want to keep reading. So yeah, you sold me. Good job, guys.
1: Uh, I-, I don't know that I was as high on it. Um, Like, I think it was executed well i think that they the art team the and jeff johns did a, a, a good job telling the story but i mean i'm, I'm not necessarily like excited for it um for me it kind of felt like you know all right we're going through like a batman story and you know I, I i've seen those i'm just kind of reading through to see where the the differences are in in the story what's the, yeah, twist? I mean, like, what's the twist and um I, I was actually surprised because I didn't I didn't enjoy the, the the grid um I typically do but yeah really? uh, for for whatever That's for whatever surprising. reason like it didn't feel as dynamic to me it felt too clean I think and for it to be like a Joker story I don't know that um it sort of fits like the typical madness I might expect I think the the one moment where it did break away slightly and, and interest me a little bit was pages is this this is 42 where they're in the aquarium and then there's a page where um batman or rather uh barbara pushes the joker through like a glass and then the glass actually breaks out beyond the the border and the panel and i'm like oh okay cool like that's the kind of dynamism i feel like is um typical in a batman story and you can take advantage of in a batman story whereas here you you know you can control the time you were able to to control the movement but i think there wasn't as much energy for being able to tell the story from a visual perspective outside of them just being captured like captured moments and um i those that was like my my biggest i think critique of it was just like the the, the moments are happening and, and they're good but they didn't catch me enough um and I, I don't think that the this story for me is interesting enough to sort of catch me like i understand that there's three jokers and there's like the mystery behind that as so why but I, i'm kind of at the point where i'm like okay cool we're gonna go through it and then we're gonna find out why and then i'm gonna I, i'm gonna be able to see if that's like uh, appealing to me um, not to say that it's not executed well, it is, um, but um, my, my hype and interest level isn't necessarily there.
2: I think it's interesting cause I wouldn't say that I'm hype for it either. I just think like this issue drew me in to it, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it connected for
1: you. Yeah. The not, level. not necessarily at the, the same, uh, extent. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that it just like outright connected with me.
0: Man, I I feel like this is the best looking book I have read maybe this whole year.
1: You no, know, Box F- art is like top notch. He's he's a next level artist. Um
0: and this is him with like a long time to work on the book, right? Um yeah, 5 years. Yeah, yeah, some <laughs> some amount of that, right? He's been working on this book and it shows. Um, I think this is a brilliant looking book. I, I I can't sing the praises of the art enough. It's crazy how good this book looks, guys. Like, if you have not picked this up, go buy it. Uh, that being said, the story being told, Jeff Johns is such a master. <sighs> like, the way the dialogue between Batgirl and Batman, or Hood and Batman, or Batgirl and Hood is so crisp because without belaboring the point, he gets across that these characters have problems with each other, that it's not all good. I've never seen Jason Todd characterized this well. Typically, I don't like him. Um, I thought he was, he was very, very well handled here by Johns. Um, Batgirl 2, tremendous. Um, there's a uh I'm trying to find a particular uh conversation where she just like clearly is unhappy with with even having to be here with this situation it it has her on edge um she's asked if she needs a ride and she's like i've got one you know like i don't need that oh yeah um like i just i just love so much of this the conversation between hood and batman where Hood is taking things too far and he he's trying to, you know, um, interrogate the Joker goon in the ambulance. Like, the interaction between Batman and him there and their relationship. When they're in the car. Like, there's so many moments. When they're in the car and Batman is, or Red Hood is like, how come the, the passenger <laughs> seat just feels uncomfortable? It's like you don't want someone to be here. He's like, you're projecting. That's because... Those two have had an icy relationship ever since Jason Todd came back from the dead. Batman doesn't know how to deal with the fact that he that's his ultimate failure. And Jason doesn't know how to deal with the fact that he feels like Batman failed him. And he feels like since he came back to life, he's been rejected by the family. There's so much under the surface of every one of these interactions. And if you know these characters, you are rewarded so much. For reading this book. And I love that about comic books. It's it's like the only medium that can do that like this. For the superhero comics.
2: Yeah, You know what was um a really quiet moment. That that made me think of that. Of like how well I feel like Johns is writing the dynamics of them. Is like when they go to the aquarium. And it's right after the, the seat thing. That you called out Sean. There is one panel. Uh, Barbara goes. My father used to take me here. And then Jason goes, I've never been inside. What about you, Bruce? And then he goes, my parents built it. And built is bolded and in italics, right? So obviously that means a lot to him. And just like the idea that like, obviously Barbara's experienced a lot of trauma and like, you know, far beyond that of probably a normal person. But she still has a foundation of normalcy. Because she has a father who loves her, um, obviously Batman is defined by not having that, really. Uh, obviously, he's got Alfred, but you know what I mean. Um, and then how that kind of spills out onto his kids, you know, is like, it's, like, all exemplified in that one little moment. And it is a thing that, like, if you don't know these characters that intimately, and I don't know them that that intimately, right? Like, I'm a pretty casual Batman fan, Um but for me, I read that and was like, "That's really that's a like pretty profoundly sad character beat that takes place in one quick throwaway kind of conversation in one panel." You know, um, it is a book that rewards you for knowing and caring about these characters and what they mean to each other and how they feel about each other.
0: Yeah, and and it's brilliant. And you know, Jeff Johns doesn't step down too often to tell stories anymore in comics unless they're meaningful to him you can tell he has so much to say about these characters and that's why i'm excited it's not because i just love the idea of three jokers or i'm tantalized by it i actually hate it i actively don't like the idea of there being three jokers not because i don't like the joker but because what the hell is that? Like he's just he's a, the 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 horror of the Joker is that he's a regular person who actually just does these things, and so for there to be three of him, what's that about? Is he split in three? Why why why? All of that we'll find out, and that's fine. I'm here for the creative team that is doing such amazing work right now. That's why I'm here. I'm here for Jeff Johns. I'm here for Jason Fabok. I'm here for Brad Anderson because I think this book is colored brilliantly too, and um lettered brilliantly as well. So I uh, can't get enough. Think it was brilliant. Ends crazy uh, with them killing this particular version of the Joker, with Jason killing this version of the Joker. Barbara letting it happen, essentially. She she puts in an, some level of effort, but as Jason points out, she don't miss. So the fact that When's she the missed. last time you missed? Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And now, of course, they have to deal with what's going to happen when Batman finds out that they did this. Um, I just think this issue was is absolutely brilliant, and I am so hyped for more. It does actually change some pretty significant things. The first one being that there's a clear retcon here of Joker saying he didn't kill Jason Todd.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, that he intentionally left him alive.
0: That Yeah, that flies in the face of absolutely everything that we know about these characters. Um, and that's an interesting wrinkle. I don't feel like they'll tug on it. I think that's just the new continuity now. Um, I don't see how that can make any sense, considering that Jason was resurrected in a Lazarus pit. But go off, Johns. Do you? uh i love it i'll be here for issue two can't wait
2: yeah yeah i i have to say i think i'm uh i'm i'm with you i'm on board and i really really didn't expect to be uh for the same reason that you laid out just like the conceit of it isn't interesting to me but like it feels like a good batman story and i gotta say i also think that my enjoyment of this was probably very much helped by the fact that i just got the Batman trailer last week, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I fucking love Batman, like, yeah. you know, so I'm like, I'm here for it in the same way that I'm like, yo, when's Gotham Knights coming out? Like, let's
3: fucking
0: go, boys. Sure. <laughs> great, great uh, seven-day period to be a fan of the Bat. Yeah, some good stuff. Yep. So, uh, you guys at home, let us know your thoughts about both of these books or whichever one you're reading. Uh, these are two of the biggest books being published right now and uh, i'm very interested in what people think about three jokers i've seen a lot of positive reactions but they're always measured they're like wow this was great but i don't know i don't know what to think yet and um so i'm really curious what you guys at home think about this and of course anything that we talked about on this episode let us know if you're a youtube viewer what did you think about us showing you the trailers while we discussed them was that distracting or did you love it uh, if you are an audio only listener go watch that and let us know what you think about it even if you don't watch it just subscribe yeah give me the vanity numbers <laughs> that's right um, and also other things you can do to help us out is uh, hit us up on social media share these when we drop them share these episodes when we drop them on your social accounts uh, you know with the retweets they really help a lot. If you want to go on to your podcast hosting platform of choice and leave us a rating, we'd really appreciate it. That helps us out a lot. You can write to us at the at gmail.com. Or you can join our Discord server where we do have tons of conversations that go on over there. We schedule streams all the time, sort of, um, that we do. <laughs> and you guys are more than welcome to come and join us. For all of that cool stuff, everything that I mentioned is free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. And uh, we really appreciate you guys, so thank you so much. As we move forward, we've got 99 episodes to go before 300, so mark your calendars for that one. Get excited! Yes, let's do some get hype.
2: It'll come before the next issue of Three Batman, (laughs) if the current trajectory is any indication.
0: Oh man. Um, oh, yeah. Listen to our Swamp Thing book club. Check that out. And last but not least, if you need a little bit more incentive to join our discord, that's probably where you're going to find out first about future giveaways of which there will be more. We did give away a House and Powers hardcover two Snake of Talents one our giveaway. So definitely join our discord for that. Tell you what, I
2: got a code for Lego Batman 3. We're in a Batman kind of oh. mood right now. You trying to win this game? There you Come go. to the Discord. I love Legos.
0: <laughs> uh, Pete, why don't you hit us with some plugs?
2: All right, so I'm actually going to start with Phil's plugs. Uh, if you want to connect with him on social media, he's at Cyborg Bebop, and he specifically asked uh, that I um, – he wanted to use his time to uh, express his, his cry for justice for Jacob Blake and that there is a link down in the description uh, to a bunch of resources for Black Lives Matter and how you can get involved and be a part of the solution. And he wanted to use his time for that, so I wanted to start there because I think that's the most important. I love it. Uh, plug that we've got today. I love it. I just
0: wish you hadn't said "Cry for Justice." That's all. Oh damn it! <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I comicified it, I guess, but not maybe not with that book. Um, <laughs> so, as for me, uh, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come chat with me about uh, whatever's tickling your fancy these days. If you want to get some more content from me, you can check out the Potscast, uh, which is a Nintendo podcast that I do every week over on loopots. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it for me.
0: <laughs> uh, plug your band.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, also, check out my band, Long Friend Time Friend. Um, we recently completed work on our, our debut album, uh, and we actually just put out um, a free single that you can grab over on Bandcamp uh, called Prior Eyes. Uh, it's it's a tight little song. I like it a lot. Uh, I hope you'll check nice. it out.
0: Marco?
1: I'll start with Kale. You can find him at Toto Into, That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. And uh, go check out his work at kaleward.com. And um, all the stuff that he does, you know, tweeting and uh, his Instagram with his dog. As for me, you could find me at Mr. Marco Nemoto on Instagram and Twitter. Come talk to me about that Swamp Thing book club, son. And then I counted through when the 300th episode would be. It's actually July 23rd, 2022. So we'll see you guys then. Wow. (laughs) Hopefully the, World still exists. If it is, we'll be here.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna start with myself, um, <laughs> and let you guys know that uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about all of the really amazing things that are happening right now. There's a lot of awful stuff, and you know, I feel like we're inundated with that every day. One of the beautiful things about getting to do this podcast about loving geek you know nerd culture is that you know alongside all of that there are some really cool announcements and you know i want to talk about all that stuff so come hit me up if you also want to and with that we're the comics take care guys see you next time take care of each other